down. Get hold of yourself. Stewardess, please let me handle this. Calm down. Now get back to your seat. I'll take care of this. Calm down. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. Doctor, you're on the phone. Everything's going to be all right. Please. Sister, please now handle this. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Well, Wednesday, April 11th, 2022. Thank you for joining us today. Let's just go ahead and kick it off right now with the article we're looking at here. And this is this is what I find to be really frustrating about the coverage that we're seeing here. And this is a story that Robert Inlakesh is going to be talking about probably today. I'm going to have this up actually coming up in the near, most likely at the end of the day, if not tomorrow morning. But this is about a journalist, an Al Jazeera journalist that was just shot during an Israeli raid in the West Bank. And what's really incredible about this, first of all, is just that it is being covered by corporate media. But one thing I noticed is that if you'll see a lot of the different coverages on here, you'll see them discussing an American journalist, or rather just a journalist that was shot. And that's why it's getting attention. Like it should matter more because it's a journalist, first of all, right? But then on top of that, it's a Palestinian American they have to frame it as, where the other ones just simply said a journalist. So I don't know, maybe maybe I'm overthinking that, Scott. What do you think? I feel like it, it's like they're trying to make it seem like it's not as important because it's a Palestinian American. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts mm-hmm. on that? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, if that's if that's the case, I mean, it seems like very weird that they would delineate it such, uh, but. Uh, yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think I think it comes down to the fact that this is a very hostile location in general where people are being hurt on a regular basis. Not even just the West. I mean, we're talking about all of Israel, Palestine occupied, but Gaza seems to be the most chaotic. But now we're seeing, as Robert's been discussing, that the West Bank, mm-hmm. these places that have historically been very calm controlled, let's say, by by the Israeli government are now breaking out in their own raids and protests and attacks. And this is because they're upset about what's been going on. And I think the world has become more aware of these things and it's put Israel in a pretty precarious position. But I wanted to start off by pointing these things out and showing that this is something that is happening. A journalist, I mean, think about going like going back to things like uh, WikiLeaks and showing the Reuters journalists that were killed, the, the collateral murder video that yeah. got all the attention, right? Oh, yeah nobody's ever been held accountable for these things, right? Except the people that leaked them. Yes, ex- good point. Good point. Exactly. So in the in this kind of a context, right, who is going to be held accountable? Do we really even believe for one second that anybody is going to have any actual accountability for this journalist being shot? No. I, it's, it's, ins- it's insulting, right? We already know that. And it just kind of blows me away that we're in a position where they're just going to say they were in this position or they shouldn't have been doing that or, you know, whatever their narrative is going to be, it's going to be somehow explaining it away. Mm-hmm. Right. But yet you can have journalists who get killed alongside Hayat al-Sham in Syria or journalists who get hurt or killed in Ukraine working along neo-Nazis. And it's a totally mm-hmm. different story. You yeah. see, it's just very interesting the way this is framed and it's just very subjective and it, it tends to upset me is the point. 
Now, just on the note going forward here, guys, there's definitely something fishy going on with something, but no worries. I'm, we're just going to leave it as is and go forward, so I doubt there'll be any more issues for everybody. So <clears throat> continuing forward, this is the last point on Elon I wanted to discuss. And, and by the way, there'll be plenty more of these coming your way. Uh, we, we were going to get into more of a discussion as well about more broad things about the studio and so on. But I, I, I argue we should wait to where we can see each other yeah. to have that conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, we'll, we'll, we have plenty more of these coming your way. So don't worry. So uh, Elon Musk puts Twitter employees on alert. Now it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, just what is the title? What do you think about when you see that title, Scott, what does it tell you? Cause I, I have some interesting thoughts. Okay. So let's see. Yeah, Elon puts Twitter employees on alert. Like, uh, Hey guys, there's a new leader in town and we're going to, we're going to rock the boat here. And we're going to, you know, we're going to, Switch some things up. So whatever you're used to doing around here, um, you might want to get. Some, we're gonna we're gonna place a new order uh, for Kleenexes. We're gonna get a, you know, the cabinets full of you know. Make sure we have plenty of Kleenexes on hand. Wiping your tears as we move forward with this new right. New well, I was thinking more more abs like not party related. I'm thinking like Elon puts Twitter employees on alert as the not him saying that necessarily, but like the discussion. Well, that too, but like so this is coming out from. uh, epoch times yeah and the idea being that okay so we're saying you know something's coming right like get ready because we're gonna you know it's the same idea in my opinion you're you're making a point to come out without saying what's even that means to go it's gonna things are gonna change it's gonna be rocky like get ready because we're gonna come in like but is it who knows what's even gonna change i just think my point is it all comes down to them trying to drive in this idea that whatever he's doing is going to be the antithesis of what they've built, what they want, whatever they being, whatever fringe groups are on the parties. I don't know. I'm kind of joking. Who knows how many people are in it, but the Democrats versus the Republicans, the same, you know, ideological battle. And I think what they want this to be, in my opinion, abstract, my opinion, is that this comes down to them trying to create the, the perception that when he's there, everything will then be different, even though it's not. That's kind of what I'm thinking. So we're going to keep being censored. Twitter's going to continue to be a centralized focus on, you know, our in what we're thinking, what's going on, the world consciousness yeah. for artificial intelligence. And they're just going to pretend like now it's the worst despot of white supremacist of all time because he's in control. Yeah. And conservatives will say it's the biggest free speech centralized point in the world. Same thing. Yeah. I'm just mark my words, guys. That's my prediction. It's going to be barely different, and everyone's going to pretend it's a new thing. Totally. That's or, what I think. Or the other thing, too, I've heard a few people make this particular take, and I tend to kind of agree with it, where, you know, their, their kind of problem-reaction-solution model could be in full effect here, where they're setting up Twitter as the potential <laughs> free speech platform, and then whatever they have planned in the works, you know, whatever, either like false flag, catastrophic event, any sort of craziness, even the even if the election goes in the way of like a giant red wave or something like that, mm-hmm. they can then go back and say, well, it's because Twitter is a free speech platform. And yes, lay, yes, lay I'm it, glad you said that. And lay it at the doorstep of the fact that now Twitter is a full free speech platform. They can blame Twitter, the, the fact that it's a free speech platform for whatever it is they right. have in the works, and then to justify full clampdown, you know, full internet censorship, full everything. And whether or not it actually is a free speech platform. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I, that's exactly the point. So so basically it becomes this, this catch-all yeah. to where, oh, it's because Elon's in control now, mm-hmm. right? And even though it literally is producing the same things, you're right. And it, it could be so abstract that it could literally be the impetus. I mean, that's actually, to go back, that's why I actually tagged that as hashtag or this one. Vanilla ISIS, yeah. hashtag two party illusion, divide and conquer. I, and that was the agenda I'm speaking to. That it, the idea is this is building in that direction. Whether that is the case or not, it's hard to miss. You know, so I think they're building in this direction of the idea of creating the, you know, conservatives. And that, because don't forget, the way they frame the free speech is that 
their free speech allows them to attack minorities. Mm. And that's like the only thing Elon just wants his white supremacist friends to be able to do. That was actually what they stated. And I'm going like, that doesn't even relate. I mean, maybe he's secretly like that. He hasn't expressed those ideals. He doesn't say that. He doesn't do that. It's this whole Putin's playbook, wink, wink. Like they know what he feels and thinks because he's a conservative. It's just, it's childish. so fascinating. And just on that point, too, I just want to say, guys, like I've been very much involved in like this like liberty movement the last couple of years, you know, very very much organizing like freedom cells and being like in the streets, like like making festivals. Like we actually created a whole festival out in Oregon, you know what I mean? And it's like I, I am telling you firsthand, there's no white supremacist, dude. Like there's no race, like, it's not even a thing. Like well, so to clarify, they exist. I mean, You're yeah, saying in the party, in, in the our, libertarian in our little, yeah. our little, like, freedom, like freedom cell, like all these rallies, dude, like it's like it's not even a thing at all. It's right. crazy. Well, and, and this is the thing is that this is the reality from, oh, and by the way, it's funny because I'm, I, all these little things were missing because I'm yeah. expecting the video. This is Scott Armstrong yeah. from Rebunked. People in the chat are like, who is this? <laughs> no, guys, I'm sorry. It's like, don't worry. Don't worry. We'll get there. But, but it, what the, uh, what we, I just lost my train of thought when I did that. I knew I was going to do that. Mm-hmm. The, like the liberty movement, like right, 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 right. The, stuff, yeah. the liberty movement. But yeah. so the point being, you know, any of these movements, yeah. of course, it's possible that you've got a guy in a movement that sure. at home has these ideals or even on the surface. Yeah. But that does not mean ever yeah. by default that the entire movement is like that, because people are people. You, I know I know all sort of friends that, in fact, that I think are good people that I consider close friends that may have ideals that I'm kind of like, eh. yeah. you know, and that's it's just, that's life. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. this binary world they're creating. In every aspect except sexuality, is <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Anyway, so last point here, just in Twitter to limit the visibility of tweets by users who copy and paste texts, which is almost hilarious because guess who does that? The people that their their bots, their stream. Ukraine is fighting glory for Ukraine. You know, and you see this thousand tweets; they're exactly the same. I promise you, they're not going to apply it to that, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems like that's a good idea in theory to kind of reduce the amount of like right. bot traffic. I can agree with the logic yeah. there, yeah. right? But it's if if these things, if, I mean, even the 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 best of rules not applied equally mm-hmm. is not really a rule. I mean, it's a manipulation, right? Yeah. So in this case, you're going to find people that I mean, there we, you could argue there's obvious reasons and times when you would copy and paste and share it, right? And and to what degree are they going to be hard on that? Am I going to what if I want to copy and paraphrase somebody and then put a comment on? Are they going to block that? Probably when it's us, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's where I see that going. And that's why I disclose, of course, will this be applied transparently and equally for all or non-transparently and arbitrarily? Well, that's the question we should ask Musk because he screams up and down right now. It's going to be transparent and clear. But I mean, where are these new policies coming from? Were they set in motion before he got there? And probably, right? But there's so much up in the air. I'm just tired of people acting like they know what's going on with Twitter. You know, it seems to be getting worse to me. What do you think? Well, you know, from my own personal standpoint, I feel like my own account, I'm like, okay, so I created this, and so I did the new show, Rebunk, mm-hmm. right? New account, I have just a whole new, the start from scratch, and up until, you know, just like maybe a month ago, like just zero engagement on anything, and like literally recently, and maybe, I don't know, maybe that's just, I'm, I have a more pre- more of a presence out there now, but I am getting a lot more engagement on all my stuff, and so I can't, it's, it's the kind of like... It's not a random controlled study where I had yeah, yeah. variables at the same <laughs> right. time. Right. I had at, at the same time a lot more like visibility out there, but then at the same time, Elon bought Twitter. So it like happened yeah. at the same time. So I but I have seen a massive increase in just overall engagement and new followers and subscribers and stuff. So I don't know what to attribute that to, honestly. Yeah, so, yeah, it's um, interesting. I mean, you know, there's things like Charlie Kirk claiming to get his account back and it, he's got his account with yeah. all his followers. So, yeah. you know, there's no way that could have been 
Elon, yeah. right? And they even admit that. So how do you explain that? Did he get his account back from the same Twitter people that censored him before? Or it just none of this makes sense. It feels like a psyop to me, to be quite honest. Totally, yeah. All the pictures <laughs> of a psyop. Yeah. In the works or in full, full steam ahead mode, right? Yeah, right. I don't know. Well, let's jump into the first important topic here that I'm going to go into. And this is, I, Earl Gray has been doing some interesting work here, of course, because he's in St. Petersburg and, and challenges the narrative around Russia. He's a, he just automatically is a Russian spy because we know that, right? Cause no facts are needed being facetious. Obviously that's the way that people will perceive this person, but just taking the information he's presenting at face value and, and considering it, yeah. it's really interesting. So this, the title reads Russia reveals all in bombshell biolabs briefing inside Russia report. Now I'm going to come back and play his little discussion about the, the slides, but let's look real quickly at what this says. So here is, actually, I just wanted to make sure I had that spot. Get this open here. Okay. So <clears throat> there's a lot in here. And the title is, this is from today. Briefing on the results of the analysis of documents related to the military biological activities of the United States and the territory of Ukraine. Now this is coming from the Russian government. You're going to find this very interesting because it, it, <laughs> I got to be honest, I'm really skeptical about this, just for every possible reason, because I do not believe for one second that it's only one side or the other. But here's what they say. And I'm going to go, we can read from here down for the most part. It says, the Russian Ministry of Defense was able to clarify and said, uh, the said scheme. They said, it should be noted that the, the scheme is just to, for clarification, the U.S., biological laboratories and the research in Ukraine. I mean, the obvious concern, right? We are, that situation has been blown up. We know there's a problem there as much as, you know, they lie and then Newland comes out and explains it, but it says the Russian Ministry of Defense was able to clarify it should be noted that the ideologues of U.S. military biological activities in Ukraine are the leaders of the Democratic Party. I was like, what? That's an interesting thing to say. Like, I, and like okay, and we'll go through the slides in a second. And there is evidence to this, but I just find it almost impossible to believe that it would only be one side of this paradigm when you know, I can prove to you that there are Republican conservative connections to these labs, to the research, to all sorts of things. So I just, I mean, right out of the gate, what is it? What is that? What do you think? Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. So the fact that they're just trying to blame it all on the Democratic Party, I mean, they, well, it, it could be. be. I mean, I'm not going to say it's not true, but yeah, I, 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 I mean, it'd be nice. <laughs> but it's like you know okay so again they're just trying to like create the two-party divide you know? well okay but remember this is coming from a russian government perspective yeah. so okay. if that's the case i'm not disagreeing yeah. that would suggest that there is a much larger international agenda to divide the american population sure. that would make sense in the mindset of the great reset and where we're going right. right so it's hard to miss and we don't forget Putin himself, young global leader, yeah. which at which Klaus has admitted more than once openly oh, yeah. that there's all these connections there, the great reset, the vaccinations, but lately Davos and they've been kind of giving him the cold shoulder. So it's, it's a mixed bag. Anyway, I just, I just could, I was kind of shy. I was like, well, I'm not going to pretend that that's not possible, that maybe the concern, but we'll just put it this way too. Let's just say that's absolutely true. That does not then therefore mean, therefore, that the Republicans are completely clean of any negative, any wrongdoing or any crimes. Same kind of the, the Russia-Ukraine dynamic or U.S. really, that just because we're showing Ukrainians are bad guys doesn't mean the Russian government's not capable of the same things. Mm -hmm. So just put that all out there. So maybe, let's, maybe almost like a virtue signal to, like, to the Republicans or the right wing people. Right. OK. To kind of like okay. to, to signal to them, because like, I think maybe the perception being like, 
or at least the narrative they're trying to portray is that, you know, the Democrats, people on the left are, you know, they've got their Ukraine flags going everywhere. Mm -hmm. And then like, you know, the people on the right, like they think that Putin's out there, you know, just like, I don't know, fighting the new world order or whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, yeah. The narrative on that side. So maybe they're aware of that kind of paradigm and they're just going to virtue signaling to the right. Yeah, well, it's interesting. So I, I would actually, I agree that there's something to that, but I would actually disagree that I think it's that fine tuned. Like, I don't, I think that's what they want to present, yeah. but I'm noticing same with COVID that there's, they want to project a certain Democrats got vaccine, Republicans didn't, but that's not the truth. Yeah. You can, when you really dive into it, it may be slanted that way. You'll find that there's a lot of Democrats that are really skeptical about what yeah. this is. Maybe, you know, pro mask or whatever, but they're like vaccines. I should have a yeah. choice. Then you have the Republicans that got scared and taking the injection, you know, sure. it's overlap. Sure. overlap. Same, same with Ukraine yeah. is you'll find this. I would say even more so you'll find a lot of Republicans because Trump is all, he's all on Trump's. A, it's when you hear his discussions, he's, pretty much toe in the line these days, mm-hmm. whether it's vaccines or Ukraine. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are like pro, like we're fighting for freedom in Ukraine. Like it's amazing the way that, but to your point though, I actually thought about this too. The idea of, okay, so if he's denazifying Ukraine, yeah. hypothetically speaking, and I don't necessarily think Russia is like the good guy in this scenario, but may, what if that was the reality entirely, which means they're well aware of what the CIA has built in this country, which is true regardless of Putin's narratives and agendas. So that would mean that he'd be aware of their agenda to frame one party, even if it's not, like I said, they're going to frame me as a conservative to suit the narrative, even if I'm not. So just whoever they want to call a conservative. So maybe he's reading into that. And that's the point. I don't know. We could abstract and think about this forever, but I just, it's a, that's a really big statement and it's going to stir. That's going to kick the bee's nest for sure. Cool. Our our politics. So going forward, it says thus through, uh, through the U S executive branch, a legislative framework for funding military biomedical research directly from the federal budget was formed. And we've seen all this. I mean, this is coming out left and right. Funds were raised under state guarantees from NGOs, which are nothing, not even remotely non-governmental. Just remember that. That's like National Endowment for Democracy. You know, these are these are government entities, as James Corbett would call them, the Trojan horses of regime change, from NGOs controlled by the Democratic Party leadership, including the investment funds of, and here again, the Clintons, the Rockefellers, Soros, and Biden. It's like, I mean, I agree, definitely the players, but it's like, it's just, of course, those are like the big red buzz names of the, you know, I just find it interesting. I feel like this was very carefully crafted. Yeah. Man. Okay. Yeah. I feel bad. We're just getting more sound complaints here, man. I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know. Uh, Well, going forward, it says the scheme involves major pharmaceutical companies, including Pfizer, Moderna, Merck, and the U.S. military-affiliated company Gilead. U.S. experts are working to test new medicines that circumvent international safety standards. As a result, Western companies are seriously reducing the cost of research programs and gaining a significant competitive advantage, which is interesting. So it's, you know, financial as well as a lot larger than that. The involvement of controlled non-governmental and biotechnology organizations and the increase in their revenues allows the leaders of the Democratic Party Democrat party Mm -hmm. to generate additional campaign finance and hide its distribution. So this is money laundering. I mean, this is on top of everything else. In addition to U S pharmaceutical companies and Pentagon contractors, Ukrainian state agencies are involved in military bioweapons activities Mm -hmm. whose main tasks are to conceal illegal activities, conduct field and clinical trials and provide necessary biomaterial. Now you can question this and you should coming from the Russian government, but the, the evidence supports this. That's what's important. This could have, whether or not they laid this out, we've already been digging into this. You know, this stuff yeah. is out there. Yeah. 
Thus, the U.S. Department of Defense, using a virtually internationally uncontrolled test site and the high-tech facilities of multinational companies, has greatly expanded its reach capabilities, not only in the field of biological weapons, but also in gaining knowledge about antibiotic-resistant and the antibodies to specific diseases in populations in specific regions, which really does compound in the same direction being able to create other biological weapons or entities, you know, the antibiotic resistant. I mean, all this stuff is alarming research. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like <laughs> it's, and, and it's just, it's so weird how, like why Ukraine, Ukraine just is like this hub, like where all these different tangents always kind of intersect. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, so there, there's a lot of interesting reasons for like the a great interview we had with, um, I'm, I'm, uh, with Eva Bartlett and Vanessa oh. Bealey, and I'm, also, I'm, I'm unfortunately blanking on the guy's name. He's very, very intelligent. I want to connect with him again. We're speaking on the history there, you know, and there's a lot of, I mean, one of the possible reasons, I mean, I would say definitely one of the reasons, but who knows if it's, if it's the primary, was that there has been a, a, an, a, a fascist entity there for a long time, the Organization for Ukrainian Nationalists. That's where the CIA stepped in in, you know, pre-1953, the OSS, but CIA post-53 stepped in and plucked out Mikhail Lebed and made him a leader of this new movement, right? That's, that's, he worked for the Prologue Company in New York. He worked in Ukraine. All the way forward from there, that's the same entity that be, is the, right, the basis for the Azov movement, for what we're going to talk about in a minute, the Tornado Battalion, mm-hmm. for the right sector, for the Svoboda Political Party, for the Georgian Legion. I mean, these are all openly overt speaking loudly about it, neo-Nazi entities, right? And so the point is that that all stems back to that same group. So I guess the question is, why would they be doing it? I think it's because they know, at the very least before 2014, that these are manipulatable entities that they've been growing for decades. But now, post-Maidan Square regime change, 2014, that they're in control. I mean, this might as well just be their controlled military base, that's what, I mean, this is what we're really looking at, you know, and this is, and then from there, you've got these wild extremists that are marching the streets alongside the police, controlling elections. I mean, all this is on the record that they were admitting to before we got to 25th of February. And so I think that's why. So now they're saying, look, you guys are, we'll give you the ability to grow and make these kind of biomaterial bioweapons if you test them on people in Donbass for us. Oh, right. I mean, this is, I mean, talk to Eva Bartlett and these, this is what's been happening. It's horrific testing and ethnic cleansing and rape and torture. And it's disgusting. We'll get into some of that in a minute, unfortunately, but it's a good question to ask, you know, why the intersection there is impossible to miss, but it says thus the U S department of defense using a virtually internationally uncontrolled test site. That's what we were just discussing has expanded its research capabilities, not only in the field of biological weapons, but also gaining knowledge about these things. It says it should be noted that not only the U.S., but also a number of its NATO allies. And this is the important part for what Russia perceives as a red line. This is not this is undeniable. Then as well as NATO allies are implementing their military biological projects in Ukraine. So we know or let's just say from our perspective as Americans, we've discussed and covered what the U.S. government has been doing. What's Poland doing? What's the UK been doing? What's France been doing? Who knows, right? I mean, we can find this stuff out, but these are, there's been a lot, same things that happen in wartime elsewhere, Syria, Iraq. There's always horrific testing and manipulation, human trafficking. Mm-hmm. I just talked about this last, uh, yesterday, the human trafficking between the Ukraine and Poland border. I don't know if you saw that. It's rampant right now. Yeah. And, and the, and the Poland government doesn't want to even talk about it. The Ukraine government doesn't care. Yeah. And it's because, because Putin on the other side of the country. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it was just not. It's they're allowing human trafficking from a war zone in their own country. And these people don't care about Ukrainians. Yeah, it's my opinion. Absolutely. I mean, I think that just war in general just creates just a just a vacuum of just like all this type of activity. You know, people seize upon the the the, the stable region and mm -hmm. just like take advantage of it. Absolutely. Right. So, right. Yeah. And that happens independent to the people involved in the war. Yeah. I have to remember that is even these non government organizations supposedly yeah. are involved in this stuff. I mean, places even places like the Red Cross. The, yeah. the peacekeepers of the of the United Nation of the United Nations yeah. or you know these these groups are regularly caught up in sex trafficking yeah. and all it's horrific stuff yeah the UN is notorious for it. Yeah, yeah 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 which by the way is always doesn't mean everybody alongside sure. them is involved but these are things the point is that happen and then there's little accountability of any yeah. and they just look the other way and which shows you that there's people at the top of the power structure that don't care that's what scares me exactly but it says the German government has decided to launch a National biosafety program independent of Washington, D.C., starting in 2013. Twelve countries, including Ukraine, are involved in the program. Now, th th this it's but let's go back to this, actually, before we go forward. The the graphs, all this is included, by the way. Oh, that's not that's the wrong. Here it is right here. So these are the briefing slides that you can go through for yourself and the data dump downloads. But let's take a quick look at this little clip he did. And he'll, we can stop and ask questions if you have. Just let me know. We can go through the the first couple minutes of where he goes over these slides and you'll be very interested to see the people that are being pointed out who they're calling out welcome back everyone i hope you're extra inquisitive today because boy have i got a lot for you to digest this has come straight from the russian ministry of defense as well as the russian ministry of foreign affairs it is in regards to the military biological activities in ukraine so let's just get straight into it they have released uh, something like seven slides with information that back up the claims or go a little bit further uh, to the actual text, which we'll go into just a moment. We have Robert Pope here quoted. We have a list of the diseases being studied in cooperation with the U.S. military. We have the Bayraktar TB2 and the request made that could it deliver 20 liters of uh, aerosol, I think it was, along with pictures of the DJI Agras T30. When uh, these are two things. Now, a lot of this stuff was going long before the, the current situation, right? That, that's what I'm able to realize that a lot of this stuff. And this is the interesting contradiction that you'll see very, very easily that these things, whether we're talking about personnel, boots on the ground, contractors, weapons, drones. I mean, this stuff was going there since well, I would argue before 2014, but I, we can prove that they were doing this stuff post 2014, right? So did it stop at some point? Well, no, they were always in need. They were continuing to attack in Donbass region and everywhere else. Their battle on the, the Russian separatists, right? This was all discussed and open, like right up until again, this really weird moment where in February 25th, their narrative just completely changed, even though they just reported it 30 seconds ago. But they acted like, well, no, we're not arming them. We're not helping them. We're not on the ground. It's like, well, you just said that last month. You know, it's really frustrating. The point is, all of this has been going in there, and they're willing to lie, lie to you that easily. And realize that all of this, not all of it, but a lot of this stuff was going in there while they were even pointing at the Azov Battalion as a problem, right? Saying, like, these guys are dangerous, international terrorists that are doing this and doing that, and they were still giving them stuff. Like, just, I wouldn't be able to think about that. And just, because the reason they were doing it is because you... Joe American out there weren't paying attention yet. You didn't know about the Azov Battalion. You didn't know what was going on. So you just think, oh, they're just helping people overseas, fighting for freedom. You know, that's just how it goes. So I've covered already previously in videos uh, a while back now. And the comment made about the DJI Agras was that it's an agricultural drone used 
usually for crop spraying, which in the context of Ukraine is uh, seemingly perfectly innocent because it is, as we are coming to understand now, uh, a hugely agricultural country, a breadbasket, in fact. So to have crop spraying equipment would be perfectly reasonable. But it's listed here as uh, a means of delivery, which it also could uh, potentially be if in the wrong hands. As well as they tend to use these things like these dual purpose concepts, you know, like they discuss their biological programs as defensive. It's the same idea, right? They, these things, just because you want to frame it or can be used that way doesn't mean you couldn't use it in the opposite. Yeah, that's why we need level four biosafety labs because we need to research all these incredibly dangerous things we create vaccines for, right? Right, which as I always point out is just the most illogical, like childish level logic to say, okay, so this thing doesn't exist. So we're going to spend billion dollars in five years to make the most dangerous thing in the world that doesn't exist. So then we can make a vaccine for it in case and a one in a billion chance it just happens organically or somebody elsewhere does it. Like the more likely situation is that you release it, you lose control of it, or you give it to somebody. And then, hey, we've got a vaccine. You know, exactly. that doesn't make sense. And anybody honest will have, has, have said that, Dr. Boyle, plenty of people. It's a good point to make. It's frustrating. Moving on to the next slide, we have the U.S. Coordination of Biological Laboratories and Research Institutes in Ukraine. Oh, boy. The Russian uh, briefing... Almost exclusively, I think it does, actually directly names the U.S. Democratic Party as the ideologues behind all these nasty um, endeavors. And there we have George Soros, who is also behind many nefarious deeds. Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and our dear friend Hillary Clinton. Now, here's one of the reasons why I'm pretty, I feel that it's not that abs- not that one-sided to just simply point at the Democratic Party leadership. And by the way, even if that was the focal point, it still doesn't mean that there's not people on all sides of this. I just, I can't, I cannot get pulled into this illusion to think that it's just one side of this situation. Like it just, it's such a, I just don't buy, I could be wrong. But my point though, is that the reason this is, does actually make sense in this context is because we have to remember that specifically Obama, specifically, more specifically, the Biden family have been financially invested in nefarious ways in Ukraine. Charisma and these different conversations, right? So it does make sense, but I just I would wonder why it would only call out the one side of it from the Russian perspective. And that goes back to our points before. There's there's a, a lot going on around and behind the on the peripheral to this conversation that we just don't see. Yeah. Things that like again, like well, let's say Russia, for instance, is actually, and I think they are, invested in the Great Reset agenda. Well, there's a it's kind of a it's a it's a delicate situation to be able to kick back some kind of American government level manipulation when both of them are on the same path, the great reset, you know, it's like when you get these war situations where they're not necessarily on the different sides, but they have an agenda that they have different agendas on the ground on the war. You know what I mean? Like it's just the, we think it's not all or nothing. It's not like they're just enemies, no matter what, like for instance, James Corbett points out China and the United States, you'll find out if you actually dig in that the United States has ways of regularly through Israel, usually having China have direct access to their newest technology. Mm-hmm. Now, why would that ever happen if they were the big evil bad guy enemy that they frame them as? Like, I think they do see them like that to a degree, but there's more going on. There always is. And yeah. us peons on the ground never get that picture, you know? Yeah. Well, in the two party illusion, you have China painted as the Republican enemy and you have Russia right. painted as the Democratic. Right. right? Exactly. So it's like, seems pretty silly. These are all the like pieces <laughs> on a chessboard. Yeah. It's like characters in, in a film. Right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Crazy. It then goes on with all the departments, uh, all the sponsors, the those responsible in Ukraine for carrying these out. 
and other friends of ours, some you might recognize, such as Pfizer, mm-hmm. uh-huh, Moderna. Oh. So these two Pfizer Moderna companies involved with the bio laboratories in Ukraine. I mean, certainly they're going to probably try to make an argument if this is fleshed out that's the research for vaccines or for, you know, whatever. That's an easy thing to say that everybody will gobble up and never even look further into. But is it more than that? Right. Were they involved with the kind of stuff that's happening before COVID started? I mean, I think it's obvious that they were. They've been involved with SARS-CoV-1 and before, you know, there's more going on here. If indeed that's what you think this is you know, that this is happening. I'm still of the mind that there's more of an illusion around all this than anything else, but that's my opinion. Uh, Along with Merck, which I know is another big one, and Gilead as well. Yeah, not really companies that have a track record of treating people particularly well, um, settling lawsuits, you know, uh, regarding damages and stuff. Uh, Yeah, that's proven, in fact. Uh, going on to the next slide, we have German and Polish military and biological activity. So it wasn't just the United States right. uh, as part of the party. There is evidence to allege involvement of the Germans, which we have already covered. Now, I, I would be interested in that because it seems to be a way, like, let's just say this was all hot, like, let's just say it's all made up by the Russian government. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that Germans would be included because the German focus was the most important in regard to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. huge project that they have sp- uh, apparently just pretty much stalled because of everything that's happening with Ukraine and everything else, which was a huge sticking point for the United States government for a long time. So this is sort of like maybe if it hypothetically is made up, they're going, well, you're going to include you too, Germany, unless mm-hmm. you, I don't know, I'm just thinking outside the box. But yeah. it seems interesting that it focuses on just those two, but Polish as well. Yeah, The Polish, not so much. Uh, that's that's new to me actually now, and it seems more of a, a veterinary role. Domestic and wild animals in Ukraine, oh, studying right, rabies uh, and so forth, with some some proof of payment there. Going on, we have oh, a much Ooh, darker carrying out experiments on mentally ill people. This appears to have taken place in Kharkiv. Kharkiv, very important location that we've discussed throughout the whole Ukrainian debacle. Uh, we'll get on to that in a little minute. Then we have uh, the the analysis of sanitary, epidemiological, and veterinary laboratories in Mariupol. Gosh, mm. two very interest, interesting cities that have featured mm-hmm. heavily in the news, Kharkiv and Mariupol. And that lends a little bit of credence to the discussion of whether or not these were focused on by Russia because of those places mm. and what's being done in those places. Remember the whole conversation that he was focusing on the biolab locations? And that's why you know his intention was never to invade I, that's not I that, that could be a complete fabrication, but it seems to correlate at the very least. Yeah, among others, uh, here we have acts of destruction of microbial cultures. The twenty fifth of the second, twenty twenty two, twenty fifth of so in description, of course. So you can go through this at your leisure. Delivery of humanitarian aid to the people of Kiev. That's very interesting looking humanitarian aid, isn't it? There, uh, basically, his point there is if you look at what they're actually showing you. That's not really humanitarian aid. We're talking gas masks yeah. and and hazmat suits and right. So why was this being sent to them? You know, it it just show it speaks to foreknowledge basically. Interesting. Okay. NBC kits uh, of note. We have seven thousand of these mm-hmm. Draga DHS seven thousand CM six or SGE four zero zero three type gas masks. These are. Uh, down at the bottom here, there's some of the... Now, it could be it's, it's for a false flag, which... Uh, well, yeah, and he, he would argue potential false flag. That would uh, make the well. Yandex disk link, which, of course, I will include. 
go in and read this for yourself in your own time. So this is a briefing on the results of the analysis of documents related. We'll go ahead and leave it there just when we jump to the next topic. But you guys should definitely go through this for yourselves and the actual documentation. But, you know, read it, with, take it with a grain of salt. All right. We don't know for sure whether or not this is just a Russian fabrication to carry out an agenda, which is certainly possible. But my point is, it's just like anything else they've said in the past, whether WikiLeaks around the election or anything else. It's like at the end of the day, if what they're saying is true, like not because they said it, but because you look at the evidence and it seems to be true, that doesn't just become disinformation because Russia shares the truth. The truth is the truth. Yeah. Right? It's Whether the truth is in their benefit or not, yeah. <laughs> it's in our benefit as any human being who wants the truth to be able to see what's going on. That's the thing they frame it as just because it's detrimental to the U.S. agenda to expose their lies, that it's somehow un-American or like a pro-Russian. It's just, it's incredible the kind of manipulations they're doing today, but seems to align with the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh. I've always believed in the saying, like, you know, like may the truth come out, even if it brings like, may the heavens fall, right? Right. Whatever. Well, it's, it's, it. it's, it's, there's not a lot of people that, you know, I, I think a lot of people today have been, been pushed into a position where they would rather check out and ignore it, oh, yeah. you know, because they find it to be too difficult or because it's too contradictory or cognitive dissonance or you're right though. You know, for people like us, it's like all costs. Let the chips you know? fall where they may. Yeah. Man. Like who cares? Like, let's just, uh. but, yeah. you know, I think, I think luckily it's not going to be able, it's not persistent, man. Their whole thing is based on this fabrication, you know, and it's just, it goes against nature. Like I actually saw, that movie Planet uh, Planet Lockdown um, with uh, Catherine mm -hmm. Austin Fitz has a really powerful segment in there. Which mm -hmm. an interview, and she actually describes this whole thing about like their house. It's all built on a house of cards, like a house of lies, right? Right. And it literally defies nature and reality in, in the fact that they're just trying to build this artifice of things that don't even exist and it cannot withstand. You know, or we're seeing it crumble around us constantly. Yeah. So, right. You know, when when you go that much against nature and reality you are going to lose every time and so we're, just, we're seeing it right yeah. well i mean that may even be the point right to yeah. drive this into the ground so it can be rebuilt sure. i mean that's that seems yeah. to be kind of a focal point right yeah. now yeah. but I, i'm showing here is just the pfizer tracker that you've seen before because the mention is that pfizer along with moderna by the way were present in this whatever's going on there and these are companies as me if you haven't seen this it'll probably blow your mind it's been out there for a long time and by the way this is only since the year 2000 there's more but they weren't tracking it where pfizer and you can look this up for other companies. Have a track. Have, they have paid out over ten billion dollars, ten billion dollars for crimes, right? So you can look through these safety-related offenses. Over fifteen of them paid out five billion dollars, which means that's things like lying about safety of their drugs, right? Using things that they knew were unsafe, and so on. Healthcare-related offenses, three billion dollars. Government contracting, so lying about them, you know, these kind of things. And you can see them get specific. False Claims Act, over a billion dollars. Nineteen times they've lied, made false claims about their drugs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Here we are, where we're not allowed to challenge what Pfizer says about their drug. I mean, it's 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 incredible. But his point is, this is a criminal company. That oh, yeah. is working in situations where they're hidden from the law. Shocking. Yeah. yeah. The worst kind of criminals. Yeah. You know, they, they can yes. operate with complete impunity uh, and, and the level of corruption and the, the, the um, you know, agency capture that we were witnessing. Oh, yeah. Like they just, it's, That's a good point. It's almost they're untouchable. They're above the law. They are. Know? They are. And then it's like they even factor in these penalties mm -hmm. into their like actual budget you know they anticipate and, and they 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 basically anticipate year like finding like we're gonna have to pay these certain amount of fines every year like, that's part of their budget yeah i've made this point in the past that's called you know they, they factored in as a cost of doing business yeah right so like well wells fargo is a point i've made about this a lot in the past where 
I don't know if you know, it's gotten quiet now because we're focused elsewhere, but over the past you know decade, Wells Fargo has just one after another had these gigantic problems where they get caught like stealing from veterans or opening multiple accounts in people's names, like just blatant fraudulent criminal activity. And they just go, oh, here's a billion dollar fine. And it's like, they made like $10 billion last year. Like it means nothing to them. And the point is that that's, that's literally what they do. They, they allot billions of dollars mm-hmm. and they go, okay, well now we're good. So let's keep robbing people. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. Obviously I think that's detestable, but the point is that from a business perspective, if they allow it from all you care about is making money, your shareholders you almost can't begrudge them that, you know, yeah. but I mean, I do, I think it's terrible, but, the, but yeah, you're right. And these companies, they just continue to pay it out. And they, they, and they, as long as the government allows it, and that's the point you made there, the FDA, the CDC, these government agencies are completely captured. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's obvious. And that's what's being exposed from the McCullough's and the people out there that are, you know, some of the people that were insiders that were in, you know, that were moments ago, trusting what they were told by these agencies are waking up to it. And worse than anything, waking up to the broken nature of those around them that they thought were their colleagues that are putting their head down and running from it because they're scared. Sad. Well, bringing this over to another point in regard to Ukraine. Now this, in regard to specifically how, they're framing this. And this is what's incredible to me is there's so much evidence coming out around who these people really are, who they have been. And there is no shortage of evidence backing up those claims coming from the corporate media pre-February 25th, right? And they're nonetheless trying to designate not just an entity within Russia, but literally the entirety of Russia as a state sponsor of terror, which I'm not going to, again, my point's always that I I have no doubt that they're involved in some kind of malicious activity, arming certain factions, just specifically to undermine the interest of the U.S., let's say, right? Yeah. Protests and things like that. But if there's anybody out there that is, who has been caught, and I'm not saying my opinion, who has been caught as a state sponsor of terror, it's the U.S. government. Yeah. I mean, there's just no way around that. The Hyatt, Cheryl Sham groups, them, I mean, on the record, talk about the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. They've admitted that. Mm-hmm. And what was that about? arming these extremists who were terrorists to use against Soviet Union. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. exactly what they're doing now. Yeah, yeah. Look into Timothy Osman. Go look up Timothy Osman. We'll see who that is. There, 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 there's an endless amount of information from every... I mean, you take any war, any situation like this, and you will find them arming unsavory people mm-hmm. because they're they're expendable. Yeah. Right. And especially when they get caught, you can be like, well, that's not. And you have the plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it goes all the way back to places. I mean, way before this, but... South America. And this is, you know, before the internet, when people like Henry Kissinger, let's say, would openly say it. Like the one, I think the one of those famous ones is something like, you know, those guys are our, what's, I forget the word he used. Some bad word. There are bad people. Those are bad people, but there are bad people. Yeah. And I forget the phrase, but it's paraphrasing. And he yeah. said this on the record because they, they knew it wouldn't get mass adoption. People wouldn't see it. But today, doesn't matter. You know, that's why they're arming the, the Guaidos of the world. They're trying to package them up as something better, you know. But so anyway, the point is that they're now pushing, I just showed this the other day, to designate the entirety of Russia as a state sponsor of terror. So fine, if you want to do that and you think that's valid, first acknowledge that what you do is, as a government is far, far worse, but prove it, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, if you prove to me that that's the case, then I would, you know, it's that's all we need is evidence, right? But that's not there. It's just about what we say they're doing in Putin's playbook. And and of course, white supremacy is all tied up in there, that's, which is far more obvious in places where they're controlling. But Lithuania, as of yesterday, actually became the first state to designate Russia as a terrorist. This is going to be a problem. In my opinion, this is going to be a domino effect if it happens that way, where, I mean, this will do nothing but drive Russia to take action. 
I mean, think about that. If you're in a position where you're not actually in your mind, let's say, whether they are not in people's minds listening out there doing something wrong, it's like saying those Palestinians over there who just watched their family get murdered in front of them are now being called terrorists. What do you think that does to that person who didn't do anything wrong, who watched you murder his family, and now he's being called a terrorist? Mm -hmm. It makes him one. Right. I think that's actually the point. It's not necessarily terrorist, but it radicalizes them to take action because where else are you going to turn if the actual system meant to uphold justice doesn't care. Right. So my point in abstract way is that Russia, I think, is going to see this and rightly so take more action or get more more, you know, military militaristic, I would say. Yeah. What do you think? I mean, it's so true. I mean, I just envision like, you know, Places like Afghanistan, like you see these helicopters come charging in and it's like, you know, back in the 2001 era, 2002 mm-hmm. era. And it's like these people don't even know what a Twin Tower is. They don't know anything about this stuff. And now it's all of a sudden you're being framed as this certain uh, like, like, yeah, like this terroristic organization. And it's just absolutely. It's, that, like a, it's the opposite effect. Like, I feel like we've just created so much division and hatred towards us in the world just by our actions and trying right. to stop that stuff. And it's like right. it's the same thing, like like basically just history repeating here, you know? I, I would argue it's, that's part of the point, right? Yeah, they well, want yeah. they want to drive more, yeah. specifically to Ukraine and, and Russia, they want more conflict. They've been driving this for a long time. But yes, on a broad scale, I agree. It's about creating the, the justification. It's self-fulfilling prophecy, yeah. right? It's a war on terror. So we go over and blow them up and then they start bombing us back. We go, oh, oh they're bombing. We're yeah. to go in there. You know, it's like, yeah. well, you started it. You know, it's like, it's the same thing with this. Yeah. But they don't care who, that they've been over there poking him in the eye the whole time. And then yeah. suddenly he does something back. I'm like, oh, look at what he just yeah. did. Oh, you're very and, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't make it right necessarily that they invaded Ukraine. But the point is that there's, you, you understand the logic yeah. of red lines, let's say, where they're, Right now, Ukraine and ha- the, specifically the Azov movement, but Ukraine's like, we're, we're looking to buy nuclear weapons. Like wh- anybody in that position would be like, that's a problem. They're yeah. right on our doorstep, right? So in this case, I just think this is going to drive more action and that's exactly what they want. And then when he does something in response, they won't talk about how they drove a red line. It's going to look at what he just did. Yeah. That's It's self-fulfilling prophecy, in my opinion. I have a couple. Oh, go ahead. You have a comment. I, mean, well, I was going to say, who benefits? Who 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 yes. is profiting from this? You know, I mean, it's it's probably the same people that are in cahoots with the media that's spitting these messages. That are, I mean, the people at the top, like the the, the prison or the military military industrial complex, and all the financiers on both sides are making lots of money from this. So, oh yeah, why not to keep yep. stoking the flame? Right. Now, a couple of uh, tweets from Slow News Day here, and this is interesting just to think about. And we were talking about this, actually. First, the, the, the article is, and Denny Rancourt points out, this smells like a CIA initiative. Ukraine turns off Europe-bound gas. I mean, that's incredible. Now, think about the idea that, first of all, we just talked about the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which it's not illegal. There's nothing wrong with getting a better deal with, and have a closer pipeline to Russia. The problem is that U.S. doesn't want Russia to benefit in any way, which is childish. And of course, then they want to be selling the more expensive gas to Europe in their own way. So it it doesn't make any benefit to Germany at all. Right. So we have to screw that all up with what's going on in Ukraine. Now, Ukraine itself is just turning off any Europe bound gas coming from anything Russian connected. And it's like, don't that is a small negative. It's going to hurt Russia to some degree, but it's going to exponentially hurt the people in Europe. Mm-hmm. And then what they're going to do is say that's Russia's fault. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very blatant example of what we were just talking about. No, it's not Russia's fault. Yeah. You just turned off the flow. So all you're doing it is to make it out to be something that they created. So it's like, like you were just saying, like you're like you're the older brother hitting them in the chest. Yeah, yeah. Stop hitting me. Stop, stop hitting yeah. yourself. You know, it's like you're doing that and then making it their fault. Yeah. 
You know, so we have to realize from American perspectives, Europeans perspectives, the war is being waged on you from your own governments right now. Exactly. I mean, all of this, it's, it's a deliberate attack on the citizenry of whatever region in order to uh, perpetuate these, these agendas, you know, like we right. saw with COVID, like this is a direct attack on the people, man. And then to, to enrage the people. It's like the, the, um, oh man, what is it? The, the, the manufactured consent. Yep. Like, what yeah. What a great way to manufacture the consent by just like putting the squeeze on the citizens. Of course. This is why I talk about the fact that we are under sanctions now. Yes. Like we we are the ones and really sanctions are just an analogy, in my opinion, these days. And there are something specific, but in the idea of just taking action against a population to drive them to take a certain action, same yeah. thing they do. They starve the people of Yemen in the hopes that they will revolt on their own government, yeah. regardless of whether they even know they're like the point is in Iran, let's say the Iranian people are well aware of who is hurting them. They know it's because of the sanctions. They know they're doing it to hurt them. Yet you still have these factions that are over there going, look, I don't even care anymore. I don't care. I don't want my baby to starve. So I'm giving up. I hate the Iran government now. Take over. I don't care. Like it it comes down to a point where it doesn't matter anymore. And that's what they want from us. They they did it with the vaccines. They just want you to get to a point to where you can't eat, you can't do anything, you can't sleep, you can't work. You can't. So it's like, fuck, just do it. Fine, yeah. let's go. Just cuss, excuse me. <laughs> you know, that, that's where it gets you to, though, you know? Yeah. Um, Scott said, or excuse me, uh, uh, Steve says, oh, it's the Central American playbook now, right? Like, what, what's going on in, 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 you know, with that Venezuela and so sure, on? Sure. Did Newland and Sullivan burn through the Syria playbook already? You're just <laughs> getting desperate, right? And th- I agree. They tend to have, you know, very select playbook. And it's all, it always comes down to hurting people for your own agenda. Play, yeah. play one, two, and three is what I say they have. Now, here's an interesting quote, uh, tweet from Biden, of all things. I happen to think, he says, it's a good thing when American families have more money in their pockets. <laughs> what a dumb thing to say. No, I disagree. At the end of the month. <laughs> like, yeah, that's like saying it's a good thing that you didn't die today. It's like, well, yeah, nobody's going to disagree with that. And he says, but Republicans in Congress don't seem to think so. Their plan is going to make working families poor, which I'm, I'm not even getting into whether or not that's the case. I hard, I doubt any of their plans are directly to do so unless all of them are. But I, and I think there's truth in all of that. But my point is, it's what's happening right now. They are taking money from your pocket to fund Ukrainian war. They're taking money from your pocket for vaccination. I mean, it's incredible. But yet, because of this new discussion, it's... They're only they. I mean, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? It seems ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I wonder what is this referring to? What is he talking about with the Republicans? Like, what are the Republicans supposedly doing this, taking money or making families poor? Like, I don't, I don't even know what he's referring to there. It, uh, good. But at the same time, like, I just saw a meme the other day. It was like the you know Michael Douglas from Standing Up. You know, mm-hmm. falling down, falling, falling down, down yeah. by the movie. Just him, just like staring in the camera, just like, and so the, the caption was like. You know, just working class Americans watching the government send billions of dollars to Ukraine, just like, no, like, what are you doing? Right. Like, just stop. Yeah. And, and that involves all of our government, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's exactly. the thing. I, this is just about projection. Legis- it's projection. Yes. Like, it's yes. A standard playbook. It's just projecting, just blame. You know, that's just right out of, uh, you know, rules for radicals. Like, blame your opponent for exactly the yeah. things that you're doing. Classic propaganda yeah. tenant, right? Accuse them of that which you are guilty. That yeah. comes from Goebbels and and, okay. and World War II. But the, the thing here, this is just about legislation. And it, it, to me, it largely points back to uh, Kim.com, just put this beneath it. But the this legislation around the $40 billion oh, okay. going okay. to Ukraine, okay. 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 in part, in part. And what, what I, my point is that that is happening, right? Okay. Okay. And yet all, and, and the only people in, by the only, and, Please don't take this as a partisan talking point because I always I do not think that's what's happening. But largely, I think that Republicans are just against this because they can at least see that this is being framed against them. The whole vanilla ISIS conversation. But 
57 people in Congress voted against the $40 billion bill to give neo-Nazis lots of money and weapons, and 368 of both Democrats and Republicans voted for it. So the only people that voted against us were Republicans, and yet here he is going, they don't want to, you're giving $40 billion for whatever we're talking about, let alone to Nazis and everything else, but just to another country while Americans can barely feed themselves. What, is it, what are you even trying to find I, it's, out here? So it's just like, making it's like, it. It's making up a narrative, I think. Yeah, it's like Well, this is about, in my opinion, this is about them. Like, for instance, you pass a bill that literally makes Americans more food insecure, yeah. takes money out of their pockets. You go on Twitter and go, we just passed a bill. It's going to make your lives better. Yeah. That's what he's that's doing. Literally it. It's, yeah. it doesn't make, it's contradictory to the reality. Yeah. I, I don't even understand what his argument is potentially being. Like, maybe that by supporting Ukraine, eventually... Your life will be easier. I don't even think he's including the Ukraine discussion okay. in that. I mean, I don't know. No, none of it does because yeah. there's nothing connected to it. My point is that it's like he's taking an isolated discussion about legislation going through Congress that about you know probably uh, you know omnibus bill like future funding, not necessarily related to Ukraine or it could be. But the point for me is that it's more so about the Ukraine thing is independent of it all. Of course, we have to do that. Yeah. We're supporting Ukraine for freedom, but it's about things they're doing amongst in, within this country that are undermining, you know, like Medicare or, you know, small. And meanwhile, he's spending $40 billion in Ukraine. That's yeah. my point. It's like, yeah. it doesn't matter what the conversation is. How are you pretending like you're making, how are you pretending that you put more money in our pockets? Yeah. Whatever you're pointing at. Yeah. Like, it just, it blows me away. Like, they just don't care what you don't, what you, what you good. I was just saying, I want to know who that person is that has control of his Twitter. I know, there exactly. Not like, exactly. Whatever, there's a team sitting there. Yep. They're, they're orchestrating his tweets. I say, give Biden the phone. Let him do his own tweets. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, it would be embarrassing. But I would have said the same thing. Actually, I don't even know. I feel like Trump would be somebody who was probably really desperate to be. I think he was in control of his account just by what we saw. I don't know, but he probably had a team, maybe. Well, they all do. They all do. They have social media teams just because they have to. But then nonetheless, I think Trump's the kind of person that was like his hubris yeah, took over. Totally. He wanted it. But totally. Kim.com points something out. And this is interesting. Read the crucial page of the, this is the latest $40 billion Ukraine money laundering bill, as he calls it, which I agree with, for the benefit of the deep state. Congress votes on it tonight. This was yesterday, so it's probably either already happened or about to. See how the CIA is getting a limited budget. Here's the page he's talking about. Department of the Treasury to respond to the situation in Ukraine for related expenses. <laughs> Provided further that such transfer authority is in addition to any other transfer authority provided by law. Don't you love the way that they frame it? It's like, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Section 603 for payment to Ann Garland Walton, beneficiary of Don Young, late a representative from the state of Alaska, $174,000. Section 604, funds appropriated by this act for intelligence or intelligence-related activities are deemed to be specifically authorized by the Congress for purposes of Section 504 of the National Security Act. They're just dumping money into this discussion. As he says down here, I feel so sorry for all Americans who are getting played, ripped off and destroyed by your corrupt politicians and their deep state puppet masters. This Ukraine gravy chain will keep going. The CIA and other deep state members have an incentive for the war in Ukraine to continue. The peace process is meaningless. It's all about money for arms, manufacturers and intelligence agencies. This war has nothing to do with helping Ukraine. So I happen to agree. And I, I'm interested. I, he didn't make any kind of partisan argument there. So, I, I mean, I happen to agree with his logic there. But the point is, this is still happening, right? And it was voted on and the House passed the bill. An aid package of $40 billion for you. I mean, and this is while other countries are sending money in, right? There's a billion dollars coming from Poland or whatever. I, I don't I don't want to take it, say it wrong off the top of my head, but. 
How many billions of dollars is that now at this point? Uh, you know, I, at this point, I'm probably getting closer to 50, 60, I forget. But all said and done from all the places, I mean, it's probably over 100 at this point. But I mean, I'd be guessing. But interesting. 57 Republicans voted no. Yeah. Interesting. Well, let's talk about the Tornado Battalion. Okay. This is something that is really uh, unsettling to me that I that I came across today. Here, somebody, this is Juan Semito points this out. He says, a few weeks ago, and I have that Newsweek article right here, Zelensky released prisoners with, with, with combat experience from jails. You might have seen this in the corporate media. What they didn't tell you is that some of these prisoners are the infamous tornado battalion in prison for raping minors in front of their parents. Mm-hmm. That's one of the terrible things. But also realize that all of them were in prison. <laughs> right? So whether or not we're about to talk about the worst of them, but all of them were in prison. And they were imprisoned by a neo-Nazi government. So just think about what these people are. And so these are the worst of the worst that they let out, but they let a lot of them. And it's just incredible to me that that makes sense. Oh, because we need more people to fight. We're going to let prisoners out. So just think about that. So here's what it says down here. Oh, actually, I'll come back to this, I think. Yeah, these are, these are the uh, clips I think I've got right here. Yeah, we'll come back to that. So here's the article. This is from February 28th. So we're starting, we're going to go back a little bit and forward after this article. But So February 28th. Ukraine releases prisoners with combat experience. I mean, that tends to be kind of the worst people that are, you know, are dangerous. You know, they're militarily trained and yet they're in prison, you know, for certain reasons. And of course, to help fight Russia. Now, as it says, Ukrainian President Zelensky has said he will be releasing prisoners who have real combat experience so they can assist with the war in Russia. In an address on February 28th, Zelensky told the people of Ukraine that everyone who can Join the struggle against the invaders must do so. There's two things to think here right there. One means that there's no discrimination, worst, bad, doesn't matter. But it also is, don't forget, any male between 16 and 64 is not allowed to leave the country. Mm-hmm. That's not a democracy, guys. You're being, you're being forced into military service, being threatened with dangerous things, shot at if you try to leave, as we've seen reported by everyone. Yeah. So just think that's, that's pretty crazy. But the, the timing of this is only a few days after this all started. Don't forget about that. So they were already pulling out the worst of the worst when this just began. During the announcement, Zelensky confirmed that those with previous combat experience will be released from custody to help the struggle. Quote, Ukrainians with real combat experience will be released, will be able to compensate for their guilt in the hottest spots. So you're going to put the worst guiltiest people in the most to fight. Yeah, exactly. This one, they're going to use them as fodder, but also that they're going to commit terrible acts. That's what they're there for. All sanctions, this is interesting, quote, all sanctions against some individuals who participated in the anti-terrorist operation will be lifted. The key thing now is defense. Here's the why that sounds confusing. They called it an anti-terrorist operation, but it's not really what was happening. These were dangerous, bad people that went to jail for the terrible things they did while they were supposedly conducting anti-terrorist operations, which was really whatever it was they were doing. A lot of it aimed at Donbass people, mm-hmm. aimed at anybody Russian sympathized, you know, any, it's terrible things. Zelensky said the decision was difficult to make from a moral point of view. So he's even admitting that it's a wrong thing to do, but was vital in terms of our protection. So you just like the U.S. government, they rationalize arming ISIS in Syria because Assad, bad guy. Yeah. We know how that turned out. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, you know, how Facebook kind of changed their terms of service temporarily to allow, uh, you know, speech encouraging violence towards certain people, or right. certain things, you right. know what I mean? Like, how is that even a thing? Like, that, that's just so mind-bogglingly evil. It's like, hypocritical. Like, yeah, it's so, like, like we're going to allow you to speak violence towards a certain class of people for a temporary period of time for that, that serves our agenda, you know? And what's what's interesting is, you're right, they, it, they, they tried to make it about, you know, 
first of all, they did the Azov Battalion specifically. It's yeah. the movement today, but they did the Azov Battalion, and they basically said, "Well, you can," because they had a law or a rule right up until that that said you were not allowed to talk about that, basically, because they're terrorists. That's yeah. what that was. What they said because they are, and then mo now because we're changing the narrative, they just kind of went back. Said, well, you can talk about them as long as you're promoting their defensive actions. Yeah. <laughs> In a war, it's just, it was no fighting then. Like, <laughs> it's just stupid. But then also, you're right. They did talk about just generally, you know, you're allowed to promote the, you know, negative things against Russian actions. Exactly. But what they both brought doubt into, as we now see, is any promotion of anything Azov and anything negative against anything Russian. Mm -hmm. And they know that. Yeah. Right. They're attacking Russian people. We're watching Russian soccer players get kicked out of tournaments. Oh, yeah. Ki Russian cats not allowed. Yeah, it's exactly. it's so stupid. Yeah. So we're going to temporarily allow the worst type of crimes against humanity. Just in defense of Ukraine. It's okay. Yeah. God. Yeah. Glory to Ukraine. Right. Yeah. I mean, as, I keep laughing about that term because if you look historically, and it's not anywhere all the time. It's a subjective point. But historically, when pl the places that have said like glory to this, they tend to be the, the, the ones that are framed as the bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. the, the the national white supremacist, whatever. Yeah. Nazi, here we are. And that's, these are the people predominantly saying glory to Ukraine. So I'm laughing about those out there that think they're fighting against the whites for, that are like glory to Ukraine with their flag and their Twitter account. It's like, they have just no idea what they're supporting. It's, yeah. like, it's incredible. Yeah, absolutely incredible. It's almost like at some level, like all of this, it seems like somebody at the top is trolling. Like somebody lost a bet in some room, some smoke-filled room somewhere. And they're like, hey, we're going to make them all wear masks to watch this. <laughs> or it's like, well, like this. It's like, hey, we're going to get them all to like root for the Nazis to watch this. It's going to be crazy. Well, it's, it means to an end, but you're right. There's a level of it, like like Trump bringing out the Johnson & Johnson team yeah. right after they talk about how Johnson I – mean, it's just like, what? And even his own people were kind of saying, are we being trolled? Yeah. Not all. I'm the ones in the crowd didn't care. you know. And they, they kind of didn't seem like they cheered even once. So even they're kind of like, really? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting, but I don't think Trump sees that. But No, not at all. Not at all. So going forward, it says Zelensky also urged the European Union to grant Ukraine, and this is important, immediate membership as the country continued to conflict with Russia. So we're not talking NATO just yet, but we're talking about the European okay, Union, okay. which is also, I mean, I would argue definitely a red line for Russia. It's the same concept. You're, 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 you're normalizing relations with this entity that is just basically a puppet entity of the U.S. government. And anybody honest, even people in the Western sphere have been honest about that. We are, it's, I mean, you know, we haven't played this in a while. Let's play this clip again real quick. Because this stuff, it's so very important to realize that we know this. This isn't hypothetical. They've admitted it and they were caught. They just pretend like it's not there. On February 20th of 2013, the world was shocked by video footage of snipers firing on protesters in Kiev, Ukraine. 21 people were murdered. And it was widely assumed that President Viktor Yanukovych and his supporters were behind the attacks. However, a phone conversation between EU foreign policy chief Kathy Ashton and Estonia's foreign minister Urmas Payet, which was leaked to the public on March 5th, reveals that the snipers were actually from the new coalition government, and that Western diplomats knew this and covered it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that he has some sort of, how to say, trust among all these Maidan people and, and civil society. And second, what was quite disturbing, the same Olga told that, well, all the evidence shows uh, the people who were killed by snipers from both sides, among policemen and, and people from the streets, that they were the same snipers killing people from both sides. Well, that, yeah. That's... So that, and then she also showed me some photos. Uh, she said that has medical doctor, she can, you know, say that it is the same, same handwriting, the same type of bullets. And it's really disturbing that now the new uh, new coalition that they don't want to investigate what exactly happened so that there is now stronger and stronger understanding that behind snipers they were it was not Yanukovych but 
it was somebody from the new coalition. For some reason, the U.S. media didn't think that that little detail was worth covering. But wait, I thought the opposition protesters were just peaceful activists who wanted a chance to join the European Union. Well, yeah, that's the official narrative that the U.S. media outlets are peddling. But the real story is far more ominous. It turns out that the most powerful and influential contingent in the opposition is a coalition of literal fascists and neo-Nazis. And they aren't peaceful. In fact, they're extremely brutal. This is a picture of Victoria Newland from the U.S. State Department meeting with Ole Tanibok in February. And this is a picture of Senator John McCain sharing a stage with Tanibok in December. But why would the U.S. government work with neo-Nazis? Because they thought that they could control the situation. They thought that they could install their puppets behind the scenes and manipulate the situation in their favor. That same Victoria Newland who met with Svoboda in February was caught on another leaked call discussing who they would put in power. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now, so we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yachts. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleach should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... You think, in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking, in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I, I kind I think Yatz is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week, you know. I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatz and Yuk. It's just not going to work. Oh, no. no. So this is what we've seen many times, right? This is That's Victoria Newland. Yeah. You know, which, which she's obviously tied in with the larger discussion of the bio labs and everything else, but has been historically involved with Ukraine, which is obviously important. But they're as just admitting openly, you know, like or not openly admitting, but like unaware that she's going to be recorded. But that, that they're picking, hand picking who's going to be in the democracy because <laughs> that's how demo that's how democracy works, yeah. right? The high authority people just tell you who is in charge. I mean, it's just so blatantly dishonest. And then, of course, the first clip was was the uh, mem the. Member, member of Parliament of Estonia, openly acknowledging that they knew, and the member of Parliament, or the EU, saying the same, yes, we know, that it was actually U.S.-backed entities who shot people in Maidan Square, and that they covered it up. It's just, isn't it amazing how this stuff is out there and obvious, and we played it many times, and yet, we just pretend, they just act like it's not there, right? Mm -hmm. But now the point is, joining the European Union is going to be a, you know, I, I can't off the top of my head, no, I don't know if that's a designated red line, let's say, from Russia, but I promise you that's going to be in the same vein of joining NATO. That's the first I've heard of this, honestly. Yeah. Like, and it seems like that would be a huge red flag. Like, it, it is. is. Yeah, yeah, it's the same it's, difference, it's, in my opinion. It's, again, just, just 
poking the bear. Yep. Just poking the bear. Well, think about what they said in the beginning. That, like, this wasn't going to happen. Like, we're not going to bring weapons. We're not going to bring them in. We're not going to let this be a war between you. Every one of those things were probably the plan. It's, yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's like Hillary Clinton going, I'm not going to run president. I never have any plans to run president. And three days later going, I'm running president. Yeah. <laughs> they all do that. They all act like, no, no, no. Because they want to make it seem like you don't have the inside information, right? This stuff is planned out, in my opinion. But it's going to happen because they want it to. I argue NATO will probably happen, too. And they're going to blame Russia for every action they take in response to that, despite the fact that red lines even got even encroached on from the other side, yeah. like the, the U.S. encroaching on Russia. Well, it, or um, well, I, I'm confusing myself. So, right. So basically, in reverse, the U.S. would use any even the hint of those kind of red line crossings to take action everywhere. But Russia do it, the U.S. crossing it for Russia is not acknowledged even as if it matters. You know, it's, it's just hypocritical, as I've made this point many times before. Yeah. But it says the Ukrainian president said a new special procedure would allow the country to immediately join the EU. Well, look at that. (laughs) Changing the rules so we can do whatever we want. That's never happened before, right? Although it is unclear what this would be. (laughs) What? So we're just going to make up a new procedure? Like, they don't even, it's just, there's no rules here. You think that they would just change the definition of the old procedure? (laughs) Yeah, right, right. It's not called the EU. I mean, that's what everything else is in every vein, whether from COVID or Ukraine. They're just doing what they want and read defining it, yeah. reframing it as whatever means what they want you to think it means, right? Mm-hmm. Freedom doesn't mean freedom anymore. It means whatever this is right here. This oh. is now freedom. You know, yeah. it's like, okay, doesn't even matter. As long as you're saying the word freedom, we're both pointing at different things, mm-hmm. you know? Oh. The comment followed a previous address from Zelensky on Saturday in which he again urged the EU to allow Ukraine to join. So, of course, I keep pointing this out. Zelensky says something. Zelensky demands something. EU, US seem to fall right in line. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need $40 billion. No problem. That's what I mean. I, I, when he first said that, he said, I need $7 billion a month to keep this going. I laughed. I said, well, that's, that's crazy. Like, that's not going to happen. $40 billion just yeah. passed. I can't even believe that. Yeah. I, so either Zelensky's got more control over the US government or it, that they're telling him what to say and that's what they want. I ultimately don't know. But every time he goes, I need this. They all just trip over themselves to make it happen. I wonder how much is going back into private bank accounts that are most that of belong it. to a lot of these these uh, U.S. officials in charge of these policies. A lot, I would yeah. argue. Yeah, uh, I mean, big houses. I mean, here's an interesting overlap. I haven't done a, a point on this, but I don't know if you've seen the discussion from like George Webb pointed at this. A couple people made this argument about how these supposed refugees, which I know there are actual refugees, but some of these people that are supposedly refugees, they're actually following and finding. Like, look at them driving in these like. $200,000 Mercedes. Wow. And it's like, and, and like one after another. And it's like, so are they just giving them all this money? Like, I don't know what that means exactly. Yeah. But then you consider the fact that there, I just talked about the human trafficking discussion. Yeah. And guess what they found in that discussion? Exactly the same kind of cars with the same kind of thing where they were going back and forth between the grouping. So is that, are these refugees or are these people involved with the trafficking that are trafficking people in and out of US or anywhere else? Yeah. Whether that's for sex trafficking or for, False flags. Yeah. I mean, yeah. these are all hypotheticals. I don't know any of this stuff for sure, but I just found it to be kind of interesting. Just crazy. Just the corruption is just so... Everywhere. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. And it says, quote, residential buildings destroyed by missiles and artillery are the final argument for the world to stop this occupational invasion together with us. Right. So residential buildings that you point at and say, look, damage. Russia did that. Oh, where's the evidence? Oh, okay. Well, we said so. Right. That's the evidence. Mm-hmm. So it could have been Russian attacks. And... It could have been because there were Ukrainian neo-Nazis in those buildings at the time. And it could have been because, you know, who cares about the context, right? Damage, Russia, bad guy. This yeah. is this is the argument today. It's yeah. just, it's childish, isn't it? Yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, 
I mean, we talked about this before. I think we talked about it in the last episode we did, just like, you know, the amount of misinformation and just like provable stuff that's just like deliberate, mi- like misdirections or whatever, or staged. Things that are staged. Wag the dog. Like, how much of it is even to the extent, like, how much right. is even real? You know, like, I, I just, it's just like, at this point, I would argue that, you know, may not be, you know, what people want to just think about. Yeah. But I mean, we, I don't think this is the case based on a lot of factors. I just say it again, I don't think this is the case, but we should consider the possibility that it's completely fabricated, yeah. right? Now, I'm not talking about Don Bass and what they've done there. Like, I, I think that's been overtly proven, but, you know, whether or not this is what's actually happening on the front lines, you yeah. know, it's like I, maybe Russia and Ukraine are faking it all. Again, I don't actually think that, but it's like the fact that we have to consider these outside the box possibilities. We really need to start doing that because I I, it's possible. I or taking a page out of Denny Rancourt's book from COVID, which we'll talk about in a minute. I still argue that it is possible. Yeah. The whole damn thing was completely an illusion. Yeah. Like that, that there was illness, yeah. flu, pneumonia, mass causing more problems, vaccine hits the field and suddenly the spike. Oh, it's COVID. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's certainly possible, man. And his studies, it's interesting, but yeah. Coming, coming back to this, we can talk about that more at the yeah. at the end here. I want to just include this. I think what we'll do here, we're about 125. So th- there's a lot of da- information in this in this thread. What you're going to find is testimony from people that were tortured, raped, robbed from, abused by these tornado battalion members. And that's that's the point here of what we're discussing, that these people are being released. And there's evidence of this, right? That they have been released from prison. And so these are people on the record that are telling you what they dealt with. So you can go through this feed and, and watch what they're discussing and see the de- the back and forth. And I'll, I'll actually make a point probably to go through this more in depth and go through some of this, but this is just a good resource for you guys to check out and showing you the different people involved. But let's get to the actual discussion of what how this is happening. So special report, this is from, this is going back to 2015. Hey, this is important. This is only, I only brought up one of them, but trust me, if you just simply search tornado battalion, and use the search to go back before 2019, because right now all you're going to find is what they want you to see. It is littered with mainstream corporate articles screaming about how terrible these people are. Interesting. Interesting how you won't find that today, right? Ukraine struggles to control Maverick battalions, which is interesting that they even called them out here, but I'm just going to skip to the point. You can read this for yourself. In one of the, there's many points. Just the one of them I want to show you in this. Eight members of the battalion have been accused of crimes, including rape, murder, smuggling. Ukrainian officials themselves, guys, this is a U.S. backed entity at this point, say that one video shows a reenactment of how members of Tornado Battalion forced two captives to rape another man. They also say that some 40 of the members of the battalion have criminal records. Now, these are the people that went to prison for the stuff that they then got caught for and accused of by the same Ukrainian neo-Nazi-led government. So think about that. Now, I argue there's a level of that, in my opinion, that this is part of the agenda, because there's a reason they wanted this stuff out there at this time, to create the narrative, the illusion that this is a bad thing that I, I would argue at some point would be laid at the feet of Russia or, you know, I don't know, whatever you want to argue, some ent- whatever the CIA is building this for, to use against some entity. That's why they wanted this in the circulation, but not tied directly back to the CIA. That's my opinion. But going forward, here are some more of these discussions. This is four months ago. Tornado battalion criminals are still being released, because this is the point. This is ba- This article, or rather this one, is February 28th. So right when this started, they were already releasing these people. So this is four months ago. They're still being released. It was not often during these seven years that Ukrainian militants were jailed in Ukraine. More often, the war crimes of Ukrainian soldiers were simply hidden from the public in order not to shock a society besotted with Russophobic propaganda. However, 
the crimes of some volunteer battalions. Again, I like that they put that in quotes because they keep arguing that's what these things are. Just small fringe ball, except they were saying the opposite again before February. If they're not, this is an international reaching entity that's politically invested in the police. So that's why they put it in parentheses. It's not what they are. We're so shocked and, and resonant that it was simply in, impossible to hide them. It is precisely for this reason that the story about the tornado battalion has spread not only in Ukraine, but all over the world. To ref- and I argue that's also one of the reasons why they had to do something, right? To refresh one's mo- memory of the tornado battalion me- members' crimes, I will give an excerpt from the interview with a Ukrainian volunteer, Lydia Bulbat, who for some time helped the Ukrainian punishers in every possible way, so she was actually helping them, brought them food and things to the front line, but then she could not stand it and spoke out against them after, you know, it'll explain some things happened to her as well. Quote, several times I found myself in a situation where you give help to the military and start praying to God in order to be able to leave their place alive and well. So think about all the people that think they're doing right by their country and get put in these basements and think that they're doing the right thing and, you know what I mean, are afraid to speak out against the Ukrainian government. Like, think about that. But it says, it turns out I was not touched. She wasn't actually touched or accosted only because according to some thieves law, she puts it, the hand of the giver is not cut off. So she was helping them so they didn't mess with her. Shall shall I tell you how a dozen soldiers that she witnessed kidnapped, kidnapped a young girl, raped her during 10 days before the child died? Shall I tell how armed people came to the establishments of Mariupol? relevant and put a gun to the head of the owner, forced them to feed them. And then for a month, this is, this is 2022 guys mm-hmm. for a month. And then for a month, they every day had their parties there. Well, they took this and then think about if they get bombed while they're there and they blame them for bombing civilians, right? You can see how this works out, but it says how they slowed down every passing car on the road and took a tribute from people, how they then participate in raiding operations, how they keep people in basements and beat them, demanding money, the ugly truth, nasty, isn't it? But it was like that. Now, it, to be clear, if she's pointing back at a situation before this was being written, it would make sense about the tornado battalion. But my reference is around the Azov, you know, February forward, just to make that clear. Because what she's talking about is the tornado battalions before we yeah. got to where we are. And it says, and do you know what happened after these publications? Lydia Bulbat left the anti-terrorist operation zone. Again, that's what they call it. But it's not what it really is. Because of the threats of physical violence against her and her children after she pointed this stuff out. That's how that goes. And here is what the military prosecutor, Matthias, said about the tornado battalions. Quote, in the basement of the high school, think about how relevant this is what we're seeing today in the basements, right? It, of the city in, it, where the tornado unit was based, funds were prepared for torture. There was a gang rape of a man by members of the group in a perverted form with the process of being recorded on video. And this is only what the brainwashed Ukrainians themselves wrote about the atrocities of their, quote, defenders. Mm. And imagine how much of the residents of Donbass had to experience what atrocities people were subjected to by these people. The wave of outrage over the crimes of the Tornado Battalion was so strong that the Ukrainian law enforcement system, despite the constant cover-up of war criminals, was forced to react. Tornado's members were detained, placed in pre-trial detention centers. Some members of the group were given sentences ranging from 7 to 12 years. However, some got off at two years. But thanks to the Savjinko law, when one day in a pretrial detention center is equated to two days of imprisonment, some of those members were already released. Mm. On February 15th of this year, now we're to current, Antoli Plamadayl, I'm terrible with their names, and Boris Glukchuk were released. These are members of this battalion. Mm. On March 17th, last month, or March, two months ago, Nikita Kust and uh, this other individual released. Now, Cust is now located in 
Boyarkov and Gla in Kiev, basically. Mm -hmm. So think about that, guys. We're talking about Kiev. We're talking about all these conversations. This person is is now centered in Kiev. Commander of the Tornado Battalion, before the war, was in prison for five, was five times in prison and then became a cop. Just realizing how immersed this all is in what we're talking about here today. Now, it says in the Ukrainian media, the Tornado members justified themselves saying that their case was simply political. And that's what the media runs with. Oh, it's being misunderstood, right? Easy. But what's political about it, right? They were arrested, robbery, murder, rape. Nothing political about that. I agree. There's no way to hide that other than just claiming it's misunderstood, right? And this is what the Ukrainian government actually arrested them for. Now, it says, I'm sure that the Tornado Battalion commander, Ruslan Onischenko, will be released soon. And he was. I will take a little more time, the writer says, and he can become a media figure, which we'll see. They end up becoming figures in the Ukrainian media today, just like we see in this country, where the war criminals become media figures. And they will stop talking about the atrocities of his underlings in Ukraine. Why? Because they need these beasts. That's why he released them, right? They want war. They're preparing for it, which is what they themselves have said. The C-14 members saying, look, we want this. The U.S. is just funding this. We, you know, It's not because we, they say we like hurting people, he said. Remember? Oh, they want to show that there will be no punishment for the crimes in Donbass. So in a quiet way, they're saying, look, do what you want to these people. We're not going to hold you accountable, right? There's so any evil. comments thus far? It's just so evil, man. It's I know. Just like, it's just so diabolical. Like, I just, uh, every time, like, in, in passing, like, as COVID was winding, well, you know, whatever, the narrative was kind of taking a, a steep decline. I was like, oh, great. Now we get to go back to just, uh, I'm like, yeah, we just get to go back to, you know, fighting against war. Yeah, great. And then now the reality of it setting in, it's like, yeah, now we're really talking about, like, the, the realities of war. And it's just such a horrible yeah. thing. Yeah, it's well, just so, it's just. You know, in a way, I'm kind of grateful that we can go back to addressing issues like this as opposed to just like just backpedaling every day as the narrative shifts with COVID. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, so now we're back to this, which, you know, it's just like, man, it's so heartbreaking. I know. Well, COVID's coming back as well. So get ready for that. But this is from February 27th. Okay. So that's, that's now, oh, wrong one. So that's now one day before this article comes out where he announces he's releasing these people. And it says inmates released from detention to join the fight in Ukraine. So this happened before he even announced it. And what it says here was specifically about Ruslan Onyeschenko saying that additionally, he, that's the former commander of the Tornado Battalion, one of the worst, has now appealed for his release for combat duty. So they didn't let him out, but he petitioned them to say, let me out. Like, doesn't, I mean, think about how interesting that is. Wouldn't they have let it, like they're letting out all sorts of people with military experience, but chose to not let him out. Doesn't that seem... That's like a red flag. And he asked for it, along with uh, uh, Seaman Semichenko, who we've also talked about, bad guy, a former member of the Donbass Battalion who committed horrible atrocities to the point where he's also in jail for it. Yeah. And they're let, and now, of course, at this point, they were under consideration. Point is, they were released. Former commander of the Tornado Battalion released from prison to fight Ruskies. Yay. Okay. Looks like a real good guy, doesn't he? Sure. Right. Yeah. Now, here's the Kiev Post of all places. And this, this is the image I used today showing you Bruce Lawn himself sitting right there in the middle of it all looking real nice. Now this is the, I'm not even trying to pronounce that one. District court of Kiev has released from custody two former fighters of the tornado interior ministry battalion. Don't miss that because remember the interior ministry of the U of Ukraine led by our, 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 um, Oskov, I believe was his name. One of the worst individuals openly Nazi is they kind of shuffled off the side, but it's now quietly come back into a role was the leader of the interior ministry. And that's the Azov battalion first kind of overtook. So the point is these are fighters for specifically the Toronto or the tornado interior ministry battalion speaks volumes to me. And of course, Michaela Cust, we just spoke about both of whom have been placed under house arrest. So they let him out 
but they're still they're still so dangerous. I mean, these are neo-Nazi entities who are keeping these people on lockdown. <laughs> I just think of how crazy that is. These are dangerous to even them. Ah, it just makes me sick. Wow. Point is, they're out, guys. Yeah. They're out, and they're doing whatever they want to because nobody's holding these people accountable right now. And they've almost been, you know, whether directly or not, been kind of tasked with, okay, do what you do best, like commit exactly war crimes. Like they've kind of just been given their marching orders, and it's, uh, we can anticipate there's going to be a lot of pain and suffering as a result. Yeah, that's the point they made at the article at the end there. Like, so like the idea is basically sending the signal, guys. Like, look, like these people committed dis- horrific yeah. war crimes. And now they're out. So go wild. Yeah. Right. And, you know, they, that's what they, they want to scare these people back. It's almost like they want that to scare maybe the Russians back, you know, or however they want this to be perceived. But yeah. it's not going to happen. Like not in the sense that like supporting one side or the other. But I just don't think that this is going to be enough to sway this one way or the other. I just, yeah. it, But I think what it will do is allow these people to hurt people yeah. at their pleasure. And that's oh, yeah. horrific. Yeah. So February 28th. Maniacs will be released from Zelensky decided to release from Ukrainian prisons. I think I just, yeah, I finished one. I just had looked up. I, I should have just not included that one. Uh, this last one, same point, Donbass insider. Here's the people we're talking about. Neo-Nazi tornado battalion and a plunge into raw horror. This is from January. Same point. I think I, yeah, these are just more articles. We were researching on this topic, but the bottom line is guys, these are people that are there. They're out and they're bad dudes that are, are they all right? Yeah, we're good. We're good. Just keep going. Uh, They're bad dudes in general that are doing some pretty horrific things. And I don't think, I mean, if you're out there right now arguing that you think that, you know, well, Azar was just a small little group, which is not true, by the way. But you see this stuff happening. You see that this is what they're allowing to be a part of this and acting like they can control these people. You are funding this. You are a part of this. If you don't understand what your money is going to, right? If what your support is going to, that's not to say you have to support the other side either. Why don't you just stand up and recognize that war is bad and we should fight against all of it. It's like they were driven into this reality that we have to pick a side lesser of two evils. That's just how our brains work. Left or right, we have to choose. No, you don't. Stand back and realize that you're being deceived. Yeah, That's how I feel about it. Exactly. Oh, man. So funny the comments are like, Scott in the bathroom or something? What's going on here? I can't I can't figure out what's going on with my mind. Anyway, guys, I love you all. I'm so sorry. We'll figure it out one of these days. We'll get it worked out. We'll get it worked out. Now, uh, the, la- the last part of this before we finish off with a couple of COVID points was just for us to recognize. I've been seeing a couple of these articles float around that this was one of the things. This is from April 28th. It's not up for debate. The Israeli... Let's just put it this way. There are Israeli entities tied to the Israeli government. I would argue just specifically probably IDF or Israeli military are on the ground in Ukraine, just like the U.S. is. But see the same thing. They, oh, oh, they're just volunteers that are you know retired. It's like, I don't buy it for a second, right? Whether those people, like, first of all, most of these retired veterans from the U.S. side are working for contractors. So mm-hmm. they're being told to go because the contracts are being paid by the U.S. government. It's a flimsy line that they pretend we can't see. They're paying Academy. They're paying DynCorp who then employs retired people. So the government goes, go in there, work for them. And then they just pretend like they're volunteering. It's a, it's an illusion. Our military has boots in the ground. They have for a long time. So when you see this kind of a thing, which I'm going to play for you next, realize that's the point is this is the Israeli military or Israel, Israeli entities on the ground. This says Israeli mercenaries arrive in Ukraine. It's weird. There was audio on that before let me refresh it youtube's always messing with me but not like it matters it's hmm. anyway the point is what it says we are in a hotel of the i'm not sure the Dnieper minor chief rabbi our brother and he says whom we thank today for the assistance that's this guy here 
He says, to us Ukrainians and you Jews from Israel who flew in. Not that, by the way, not this, you know, this is just one video, but the evidence has been, I mean, even the Jerusalem Post, I believe, and Israeli, uh, I'm blanking on the other, uh, whatever, Israeli media has covered this as well. Russian scoundrels, murderers that came to kill us. The point is that these are Israeli entities on the ground in Ukraine, and that's most definitely happening. Now, let's jump over to some Ukraine, or excuse me, some, some COVID discussions. Here's what the White House's grim coronavirus warning means for you. So what, what do you think, what, what are your thoughts on what's coming next for, for COVID-19 in, oh, the, in the world geez. of all of that? Okay, here's what the White House's grim coronavirus warning means for you. Like, I just... Uh, well, the ti- even the title aside, just yeah. what, what do you think is okay. coming next? Well, the, the, the fear is going to ramp up. You know, we've got a new, mm-hmm. we got a new strain coming. We've got a new something coming, and it's just going to be, uh, it's just going to be another dark winter. You know, uh, <laughs> right? You know, exactly. Gosh, I, I mean, the only time I've ever exposed to like mainstream media is like, I try, oh gosh, if I go to the gym and I see like on the TV screens, I'll like glance up and CNN will be on. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I get glimpses, and of course, the other day I was there and it was saying like, you know, this this big thing. It's like. These are all the states that are going to be impacted by the massive wave of the new strain that's going to be coming. It's like they're, they're just feeding the seed. They're planting the seeds to feed the narrative in the direction of just, again, just what, we, what we're used to. Just fear, fear, fear. Yeah. Well, it's, it's baseless fear, right? I mean, this is, this, is the, this is why I brought this document yet again today is because the idea is that it's all part of a culture of fear. Ah. Right. And this is what they this is what the you, even the WHO was calling out in regard to the CDC and specifically flu advocates like Fauci saying that that's what they do. Worst case thinking replaced balanced risk assessment. That's where we are today. Right. That's what's happening yeah. where it's no longer about whether or not like balanced assessment. It's like, well, this could get really bad. So everyone's on lockdown. Yeah. Well, is it bad? Right. Is that the right choice? It's not about whether this could get, you know, maybe a million people will die. So let's all force you to take injections. Well, no, let's find out what is happening and judge it that way. That's the point is this happened a long time ago where they shifted into basically hyping up the fear and using that to push injection sales. And that's what even the HHS, the BMJ have called them out, you know, 2011 to 15. And then it all got real quiet. Right. And and the point down here, the, the one last I always make is decisions must be based on adaptive responses into emerging problems, not definitions, which is what they're doing today. It's not about responses to what the problem is. It's like, well, the you know, whether the vaccine definition or herd immunity definition, whatever they want to make it, and they're applying that logic. So, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, too, that it seems like, okay, so now they've kind of regrouped and they've learned a lot from the last couple rounds, right? And I feel like that just while we're kind of regaining our footing, they, they are as well. And I feel whatever's coming, it's going to be, you know, so you kind of touched on it with your McCullough interview, which, again, mm-hmm. anybody that hasn't heard the Interview Ryan just did with Dr. McCullough and uh, John Leak, Leak, like fantastic interview. But one of the things, and I, I know you talk about it a lot, is just the idea of the medical pre-crime mm-hmm, aspect of mm-hmm. it. You know, that's right. really alarming. I agree. You know, they're going to be overlaying all this infrastructure in order to predict disease outbreaks and then use that as more means of just like top-down control on our liberties. Right, know, right, exactly. Well, I mean, if, if all, it, it's the alarming reality where if, it is, if they can go to that extent, it's sort of what they tried in COVID just multiple times. They can be like, well, we're going to do this because it is coming. Yeah. And then whether or not it was real, they're going to go see it didn't happen yeah. because we did that. Exactly. And it's like, well, what, how do we even know that's the case? And it, I argue that that is always something that they will use, even if they had good intentions, that's, which I don't think they the do. Ar- that's the argument that they use to explain away why there was no flu cases. Right. You know, they or said, any well, other, yeah. Yeah, that's because everyone is social distancing and wearing masks. And it's like, oh. Yeah, except then at the same point, why are these so high? Because no one's social distancing and everyone, yeah. no one's wearing masks. It's like at the same time, they yeah. use the opposite argument. To, it's 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 exactly. intentionally confusing, I think. Yeah. But 
the point on this was simply that to, to your overarching point that they, this is about hyping up and to the point and including your point and the WHO together, hyping up what's to come when they are admitting that they don't know. If you actually read the article, they're just going, well, it could be a really bad winner. Okay, good. It could always be a bad winner. So let's wait and see. Like, like take, let's, you could take preventative measures personally. You can argue what we should do. You can give us guidance, which is supposed to be what your job is, yeah. and let Americans make their own choices. But no, what they're actually saying is, well, it's going to get bad. So here's what we're going to do ahead of time. And that's what you're pointing out. And that's what's alarming. Because they are literally leaning into what even the WHO said was a problem. And they shut those people up because this is where it's going. That's what they want to be able to do. And we have no say, it seems. As it says here, the Biden administration is issuing a new warning. A warning that the U.S. could potentially see 100 million COVID infections this fall and winter. So you mean another death, another dark winter? Guess what happened in the last one? Nothing. Nothing. Fizzled out, right? Oh, because of this, because of that. There's no, nobody knows. For all we know, it didn't even, there wasn't even anything there. Right. But they're just they're arguing it could happen again as officials publicly stress the need for more funding ah, ah, for Congress yeah. to prepare for the nation. They're calling for 20 billion dollars, by the way, mm. on top of everything else. Think about how crazy that is. We're going so far. I mean, 20 billion dollars in the beginning of all this, we would have been like, that's crazy. No, 40 billion dollars for Ukraine. I mean, it's just toppling. They're collapsing the system, it feels like. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't see how we see it any other way. They're going to snap that rubber band. And honestly, like through all this, like all this money that's just been shoveling out, like in my brain, like a billion dollars doesn't even seem like that much money. To me. Not anymore. So and crazy, see, that's so the crazy. point yeah, yeah. is I, I actually made an argument about this a long time ago in the trillions discussion. Oh, when you get yeah. into like the debt, it gets to a point to where it's not even a choice. Your mind literally cannot even understand what that is. You know, you're like, what's a hundred billion? What's a hundred billion dollars? You know, like, well, I, I know what the number means. Yeah. But when you, you know, maybe I'll even play that. I think I have it at the end. There's this clip I have of like showing you the size relation. I mean, it blows your mind. It's like, we're not, and they don't, they go just to like a billion and it's like astronomical. The point I think, Oh, you know what it was? It came from a a Lee camp video. I'll Mm -hmm. give him credit for that. He made this great video breakdown where it's in after a certain point, it's meaningless. Yeah. So what's, what's one, what's, what's a hundred billion. Yeah. We did one, whatever. It's meaningless to me at this point, you know, it really, and I think that's part of the agenda as well. Like it's even like, you know, a trillion dollars, like back in the thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, a yeah. Dollars, whatever, dude. Like just another trillion. Hey guys, it's just another trillion. It's not yeah. a big deal. It's crazy. Right? So we're going, but it says the projection of a hundred million potential infections is, is an estimate based on a range of outside models. Good God. So it's a guess about a guess about models. Cool. That are being closely tracked by the administration. And so what do you mean closely tracked? What? You're tracking the guess of a guess of models. It makes sense of that for me. And and by the administration and would include both the fall and winter, a senior administration official told CNN, okay, based on the fact that they estimated what happened last year, the last winter, which didn't pan out, we should have the right to be like, okay, well, we'll take that in advisement and make our own choices, right? Because you just got it wrong, but that's not what they're going to be allowed to do, I argue. Officials say this estimate is based on an underlying assumption. <laughs> so we're a guess of a guess of an assumption of a model of no additional resources or extra mitigation measures being taken. So again, that, so what they're doing there is our, that's the loophole to say that once we take any kind of measure or get more resources and it doesn't happen, we'll be like, well, there you go, because we got more resources. We took measures, like you were saying, including new COVID funding. <laughs> so just give us money and you won't get exactly. sick. <laughs> That's exactly it. Uh, or or dramatic new variants. So anything really. So could the, the sky could fall too. And we'll just yeah. give us money and we'll pretend like nothing went wrong. Yeah. That's where this goes for me. Bottom line, guys, it's a hype about something they don't know. 
that they're guessing at. And that's, again, this is what these documents have continued to say, that they hypothesize. They use the idea, or rather, let me see if I can grab this one. Yeah, this is the, this one was a really good one. I'm not going to go into it too deep. I've done this so many times on these documents, but this is the one from HHS, Health and Human Services. Well, what they when they get into is the U.S. data on health deaths are false and misleading. That's the first sentence. Okay, this is from 2020 or no, 2017, right there. Okay, and the point is that what they're oh, actually 2016. It looks like is where it first came out. What they're basically saying is the same point, the same thing that the WHO was calling out: the conflation of flu and pneumonia at this at this point. But today we now know it's the conflation of flu, pneumonia, and COVID-19. It's the same point. So what they're really doing, and all they call them out here is the conflation of all this, when at the end of the day, in this year, let me find it real quick, right here, at the end, in this year, this was the, this is, not, uh, where's the year? I can't see it real quick. In any case, oh, right here, 2001, they had 62,000 people, they claim, were, were killed by flu and pneumonia. 62,034. 61,777 of which were pneumonia. Yet they claimed 62,000 people died from the flu. Think about that. Now, 257 of them were flu. Mm. However, even within all of that, only 18 cases in all of 2001 were actually tested and proven to be the flu. So there could have been nothing. It could have been... It could have been allergies. The point is that they did this and the bottom line at the bottom, this was the main point, is that at this summit... What they what did they do? And this is the HHS calling this out, or rather, people part of it calling it out. That they simply said, "What do we do to up vaccine sales?" This was the, this is a, a, a national influenza vaccine summit. Medical experts and public health authorities publicly state concern that flu sales are down. Right. So what do they do? They can they, they basically say they demand that the uh, where is it at this point? Manufacturers were telling us that they weren't receiving a lot of orders for the flu, and so that it really didn't look. We needed to do something to encourage people to get a flu shot. What happened? The very next year is when they combined pneumonia with flu. Mm. There's your illusion. They did it because they knew it would make the number look worse. Then they could go, well, see, the numbers are worse. I mean, this is on the record, guys. This is the HHS, the WHO, and even the BMJ going, that's a problem. Of course, here I said I wasn't going to get into it. I can't help it. But the point is, back to this, that they know they're hyping the illusion of what's happening. They know this. And yet, here we are. Fourth COVID jab can give higher immunity than initial booster, study finds. Still pushing this forward, right? But here's the interesting part about this, unless you got just a general comment about how gross that is. (laughs) All right, fine, yeah. 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 (laughs) What what else you got for it? It just keeps coming. Fourth COVID jab. Well, here's the crazy part about it. They're arguing in this article, just take the headline, because most title skimmers will just read the headline and go, I knew it, it's going to help me, so I'm going to do it gives a higher immunity than the initial booster. They claim, right? Well, instead of reading what this said, we'll read this first. Let's look at the actual study, which is what any honest discerning adult would do, right? First of all, what it says, this is crazy. Half of the people in the study were randomly allocated to receive the full dose of Pfizer Biotech COVID jab as their fourth vaccination. Okay, that's normal study, right? Now, what would you assume, Scott, before you read the rest of it, what do you assume a normal study would do on the other side of that? Uh, Give half. uh, Don't read it. That was my point. Oh, no, right. A so placebo. A placebo. You give half the, the dose and half like just a water-based. Right. Okay. That was my point. So the point is that you give people a, a something and then you counterbalance that with a placebo. Yeah. So you can study it. Yeah. As you can all see on, on the show for the podcast, they gave a full dose to people. And then on the other people, they gave a half dose of Moderna. 
Because that makes sense, right? Yeah. So let's give them a Pfizer, an mRNA, mRNA shot on one side and an mRNA shot on the other. And let's see, let's let's study that. Well, isn't, the Moderna, Are you, isn't the Moderna like, you know, twice as much? Uh, no, no, that would, that's the, that would be Johnson, AstraZeneca, Oxford, that's the one shot. The Moderna's two, and so is Pfizer. Okay. But the point is, regardless of whether it's, I mean, that's going to guarantee that whatever negative things you see are going to be offset by the fact that you're also going to see negative things because it's mRNA injections. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you're not giving a placebo. Remember, even in the trials for the Pfizer injections, they gave a, 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 a in some of them, no, it was um a, uh, I'm blanking on the term all of a sudden, a, a, a vaccine for something else. Yeah, it, was, it, yeah. it wasn't, I don't think it was MR, mRNA, but it was a vaccine. No, it wasn't MMR, if I remember correctly. Maybe someone in the chat can help me out, but they gave a, a, a I was going to say a, it wasn't streptococcus. Anyway, they gave a vaccine, men meningitis. They oh. gave a meningitis vaccine. And I, I just thought that's crazy. Why would they even give another vaccine? Because the point was, as people like Del Bigtree pointed out, we made sure that when you have the problems with the vaccine, that when you compare it to some problems, yeah. those don't look as bad. Exactly. When you compare it to water, yeah. it looks way worse, right? It's yeah. a game they're playing. Yeah. So back to the point, giving mRNA injections as a as a, a control to go against mRNA injections is an intentional, I mean, that's a slap in the face, guys. But the bottom line was that they gave them both of those and they compared them. And it said, and here is the laughing point. No serious adverse events were linked to the vaccine. Gee, I wonder why. One, because they dump everything after, right here, as it says, 14 days after. So anything that happened in the 14 days before, they just dump into not being related, yep. even though we know that that's related. Because up to 21 days is when 90% of those problems happen. Yep. That's verified at this first, point. Primarily the first 72 hours. Well, yeah, but in, but in general, 90% of all the problems yep. happen within the first 14, 21 days. Yep. But you're right. The peak is right in the beginning, yep. right? Okay. It's But that's it's, it's still intentionally deceptive. But okay, so let's go to the study. So we already know that this is meant to be deceptive. Like this is not a real study the way they've already set it up. But from the Lancet, of course, outstanding. Safety, immunogenicity, and, and reactive genicity and of basically the Pfizer shot mm -hmm. and fourth boosters. But here, here's what I want to jump, random, random trial. Right? So it is, but here's what I found. We'll just go through piece by piece. So it says, we compared the immunogenicity at 28 days after the third dose versus 14 after the fourth. So just again, making sure we're clear that this is, any, I don't know where the 28 days comes from. Yeah. So we're talking about 28 days instead of 14. So this guarantees that you all, and then think about that. That's probably the way that they dump all of that compared to the half shot of Moderna. Is that 28 days when you're eligible for a fourth dose? No, what it, say, it says we compare, no, we compared the, basically how it reacts at 28 days oh, after the, after the third shot versus 14 after the fourth. Gotcha. So it's interesting that they wouldn't, so basically what they're doing is adding on another week after and adding that to it and compare. So that's a way to game the system. If you wanted to be honest about this, you would compare it to the 14-day period, to yeah. the same 14-day period, and yeah. say, see, it's working just as well or worse or better, whatever. Yeah. But no, you're giving them a weird weak variable in there that guarantees it. It's, it's deceptive, period. Yeah. But that's the smallest part of it. Going forward, it says between January 11th and January 25th, a huge time frame, right? <laughs> Great study. 2022, 166 participants were screened, randomly assigned, and received either full dose or, again, half mRNA, which is just dumb. But I want to point out as always, that is not, that's a ridiculous, what they call fl hot flash in the pan study. That's what they tend to, this is not a year long, 100,000 person study. Like that's just, this is the kind of stuff they do quickly to find what they want to find in my opinion, but you know, read it, digest it for yourself. Here's my points. It says interpretation, fourth dose COVID-19 mRNA booster vaccines are well tolerated 
which is kind of meaningless, and which means they don't hurt you that bad, <laughs> and bo boost cellular and humoral immunity, period. Okay, where in there does it say that it did better than the last time? as the media is framing it as, right? Yeah. Peak responses after the fourth dose were similar to and possibly better than peak responses after the third dose. Okay, possibly is not what they're saying over here. And I'm going to go even further to the bottom part, but just recognize higher immunity than initial do. That's not what it says. Mm -hmm. they're, they, they are taking liberties with what they want it to say. Yeah. That's what they always do. Yeah. But let's go even deeper on the, you know, I, I recommend as always, you guys read this all for yourself. <laughs> So it says here, low levels of precision to quantify, oh, these were, and this, I always like to look at the limitations, mm -hmm. low levels of precision to quantify T cells. So there's part in here where they talk about, well, T cells and memory B2, but they argue in here, well, we don't even, it's not very precise. We didn't even get into it. I argue that these things have, if any, fleeting and useless responses for lasting immunity. And that's what we keep finding. That's why it dies off after a week and after three months, they need another, you know, whatever. So T cell and memory B is what you need for lasting immunity. Now it says the time points after the third and fourth doses were different. That's what they set up at the top. Why would you do that? And they even, they literally list it as a limitation to their study, yet they're the ones that set it up that way. Think about that. Why would they do that? That's yeah. a, that is a willful effort to play with the information. That's how I see it. Yeah, that's crazy that then... That, that... This almost kind of gets them off the hook if they were challenged. I was like, well, we, we described it. As a exactly. Study. Exactly. But, they but, always have limitations, but stuff like that, it wouldn't be something they choose to do and then list as a reason that's not, it's limited. You know what yeah. I mean? Wow. That's crazy. Then it goes on to say, due to laboratory capacity, data for neutralizing antibodies against variants of concern, including Omicron, were not available when this article was developed. So you know what that means, right? They're using, they're basing this off the original concept. So we've had multiple variants. So let me read the last part. Given that a strong correlation has been observed between anti-spike protein uh, immunoglobulin titers and neutralizing antibody titers against SARS-CoV-2 variants of concern, it is expected that the titers of neutralizing antibodies after a fourth dose are similar to those observed for a third. So what they're saying here is, first of all, one of the limitations is because of laboratory capacity that they were not available. They didn't use variants of concern. They didn't use Omicron. That's everything because that's what they're, that consumes their entire conversation around this right now. It's all Omicron. So they used whatever else before that. And then basically said, well, because they'd worked in the third, it probably works in the fourth. Are you kidding me? This is a study that entirely discusses whether or not the fourth shot works as well as the third. And then the limitation, it literally says that we're guessing that it's as good as the third because we saw it in the third. No. I can't even wrap my mind around how stupid that is. And, they, and none, it's not even directed to Omicron or any of the variants of concern. So you're pretending this is still the original isolate. Yeah. I mean, this is just, this is blatant misrepresentation. And it almost seems like it's just again where they just they they they, they know the conclusion that they want to arrive at. Yeah. And they construct a study based on delivering those results. Right. They take they can do a yeah. two week study. They give them half mRNA. They exchange the time frames. They make them different. Yeah. They only frame it towards the isolate instead of any variants of concern. Despite that's literally the only thing we're dealing with. That original stuff's not even in circulation really anymore. Yeah. Right. So you're giving us you're you're studying something that's not around against something that is being used in a different way and saying look it works kind of the same. That's the study. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and then say, well, because it worked before, it's just like, I can't even, this isn't science, guys. This is manipulation. And then here's the Guardian again. Guess what they say? Not can, maybe, could, does give you better immunity. That's what happens when the people who watch CNN and Fox News walk away reading that title and think that we're dumb.
Yeah, they don't exactly. know. They they blindly trust people that don't know what they're talking about. It's insulting. Oh, yeah. And man, I mean, just kudos to you, man. Like nobody does it like you, man. Like holding up, <laughs> up that type of evidence and presenting that in such a way. Like it's just unassailable. Yeah, it really is. And here's a funny part that I actually couldn't believe. CNN. Actually, you know what? I forgot. I included this. Let's double check this really quickly because this is somebody, somebody sent this to me. Let's find out if that is actually a real article. Cause I, I wanted to do this cause it's hilarious. Actually, let's do it this way. You see what it says? Uh, Think about how stupid that is. I'll read for the podcast. Growing share of COVID-19 deaths are among vaccinated people, but booster shots substantially lower the risk. Seriously? So, okay. So it's, you're hurting people, right? Their argument is continually that we misunderstand what that means. But the bottom line is basically, so more people are dying who are vaccinated, but get the shot because it lowers the risk of the vaccinated. That's contra- it's almost contradictory, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Well, at some point they're going to lose the narrative completely. I think and they this have. Is just, this is just their, their last final desperate. It's like, okay, yes, I mean, the majority of deaths are in vaccinated people, but you need to get your shots anyway. I mean, that's just what it says, right? Right here. It is real. <laughs> Let's look at this right here. Growing share, <laughs> geez, that's just crazy. It's, I mean, it's, it's laugh out loud ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Since COVID-19 vaccines became widely available, there's been a, lar- a wide gap in deaths between the vaccine. Not, that's simply not true. But recent COVID deaths are much more evenly split. Like It's almost like they're sl- quietly walking this back. Yeah. I mean, we I went into this in depth in the past shows. I mean, the, the majority of the deaths, 93%, in fact, during April in British Columbia were people injected. Yeah. Same thing we see in UK and Scotland and Ontario and everywhere yeah. else we look at. And they and even the, the risk per 100,000 yeah. in the UK, in, in specifically yeah. Canada, yeah. it's yeah. higher. You've been covering this relentlessly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's just, That's why they hide the numbers now. Yeah. Yeah. Pandemic of the injected. Seriously. 100%. Yeah. It's really crazy, man. All right. To wrap this up, then I, th- this, this, I, it show this is the kind of point that we make where we're talking about how no, the rules don't apply, that nothing means anything except when they want to shout you down and censor your work. Right. Yeah. Here's the defender. This is from yesterday. COVID vaccines for kids under six apparently won't have to meet the 50% efficacy standard, which was arbitrary anyway, according to FDA officials. So if you, if you don't remember this story, the bottom line is, before this all started, and I'll read through this in a second, they applied this arbitrary standard that said, well, if it's above 50%, we're allowed to give our emergency authorization, yeah. right? Which they just made up right before the start, which is pretty fishy. Now that they're not meeting it, they just go, well, we don't have to for kids. That's the story. I mean, I, I don't, it's actually mind boggling that they think this is people are, you know, do you have any thoughts where we go read, read through it? Well, it's, I mean, it's just like, you know, also with the relative, like what, what's, what's their standard even? Are they using the relative risk reduction? Good point. Risk Good point. Reduction? Yeah. You know I mean, like that, just, I'm pretty sure that's relative. There's so many different ways that they can game it one way or the other, regardless. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And that the that's, I'm almost positive it's relative risk reduction, but yeah. as always guys do your due diligence. The point is that from the very beginning, they've used relative instead of absolute. For those that don't know that it basically boils down to like, if we're talking 95% uh, relative risk reduction, it boils down to like a 0.08% actual yeah. risk reduction because yeah, yeah. really what you're comparing is whatever the current person deals with with nothing and then what the vaccination is supposed to do but i even to the point take issue with that yeah. i argue that's not even when you factor in blood clots and heart attacks and everything else i argue that's not even remote i think it's yeah. the risk is increased personally oh, 100%. that's my opinion though i mean based on the evidence but going forward this this is just insulting that we're talking about the people with the high the most resistance to this the least affected young kids in general and it, that you're emergency authorizing something, second of all, that we're no longer in an emergency by their own admission. Yeah. 
I mean, how does any of this even make sense legally? But then you fall below what's supposed to be a legal barrier that absolute is not allowed if it both, you know, goes below 50% efficacy. And he just goes, well, we don't have to. That's what he says. Check this out. The U.S. food, the FDA top vaccine official told the Congressional Committee on Friday that COVID vaccines for kids under six will not have to meet the 50% efficacy threshold required by the emergency authorization, the emergency use authorization. The FDA's reviewing data for Moderna's two-shot vaccine for infants and toddlers makes my skin crawl six yeah. months to two years old and for children six to two, two to six. Mind blowing. I mean, Remember, under 19, which, again, I find it very telling that they don't even give you below that. Yeah. The Oxford, cal- Oxford calculator for uh, risk, excuse me, the hiccups all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. around COVID, it's uh, one in a million risk yeah. for dying, 19. And that only gets lo- exponentially lower. So yeah. you get down to six. I mean, the risk is non-existent. And they, yeah. people have made this clear. The age, it doesn't mean that they can't get sick or it's not possible that they could die. But the bottom line is, if what are we talking about? If very, I mean, if we're talking about having to dispute whether it's 250 kids in the hospital throughout the entirety of COVID or 100, it's meaningless. These people aren't being hurt. And the numbers are obviously like that when you look at the even the UK breakdown. But it says the agency is awaiting data on Pfizer and Biotech's three-dose regimen for children, three-dose. Again, we're talking boosters still, too. And these people haven't even started anything. Under age five, why would they need three doses if for kids? God, just everything about this doesn't make sense. After two doses of its pediatric vaccine failed to trigger an immune response in two to three and four-year-olds comparable to the growing generated in teens and adults. That's where you stop. That's where you go, this isn't working. We don't just try to change the dynamic and change the definitions. That's the point of WHO. Oh, we'll just alter the definition of what applies. No, you're hurting these people. They don't need it. You're not, it's, and and then it fails. It's like Paxlovid being used still, which is the Pfizer-Mectin drug. They're still using that. It just failed the trial. And yet they're still saying Ivermectin can't be used. I mean, it's just, it doesn't make sense. It's the fact that our kids being subjected to these trials in general, man, that just breaks my heart. It does. Yeah. I mean, parent, I mean, think about, I mean, even if you believe this is potentially a good thing, why would you give your child any kind of a trial? I mean, it doesn't make sense. According to Endpoints News, Dr. Peter Barks, who we've talked about in the past, director of the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research at the FDA, told the House Select Subcommittee on Coronavirus Crisis the, the agency would not withhold authorization of a pediatric vaccine if it fails to meet the agency's 50% efficacy threshold for blocking symptoms. So they're, they're, this is going to a point to where, you know, what's, and I think the guy makes the argument down here, what's the barrier? So if it's 1% effective, you're going to give it to me anyway? Well, okay, so there's some effect, yeah. right? And that's what they're arguing. It's like, well, where's the line here? I mean, this is under the argument, the guys, the illusion, the lie that there's no negative effect to this thing. Yeah. You know, there are negative effects to this thing. So when it drops below 50, they're gonna, they're, their their argument's going to be, it's in their best interest to do it even if it has some small effect. That's it. That's well, it. Vaccine. That's not vaccines, guys. That's not how this works. Vac- that's, vaccine is, even in the truest sense of what vaccination once was, it's about stopping transmission. That, these are these are therapies at this point, yeah. even if that's even what they're doing. Yeah. They're just gone. They, they, they've gone off the rails at this point. Yeah, and they're just brainwashing people. Like, like they're saying like, well, yeah, kids are getting heart attacks, but you know, the risk of them getting a heart attack is way less than their risk from COVID. And it's like, there's nothing to back that claim up. Right. Well, on top of that, the point I make there is that if, you know, even if they were, if that was true, and I don't think it is, I think I've proven that it's not, but even if it was, you're talking about a risk that they have inherently the moment that injection goes in their arm. So you inject them instantly. They, and they're telling you, yes, there is now an increased risk of myocarditis. We were censored for that in the beginning. Don't forget. So the point is that you're, you're giving them a risk right out of the gate. You have to get COVID first to get that risk they claim is bigger. Yeah. And we've just told you that they have a very, very small chance of getting it. Yeah. So why would you give them an instant risk that's high 
to something that might not even happen. I mean, any a child could see that logic. Yeah, 100%. Man. So it says, if these vaccines seem to be mirroring efficacy in adults and just seem to be less effective against Omicron, see, that's their play right there, we will probably still authorize it. God, I mean, these guys, are these, these are supposedly scientists. That doesn't sound very scientific. That sounds like a marketing campaign to me, right? Yeah, well, we all know what will happen until we start putting them in the kids. Yeah, exactly, right? right? These people are supposed to be the barrier between you and profit, money-hungry corporations, and they are just one more arm of the same thing. The FDA on June 30th, 2020, this is the point, issued guidance that in order for an experimental because that's what it always was, guys. And we pretend that's not the case. And it still is, by sure, the way. Sure. And experience the COVID vaccine to obtain emergency use authorization. It must, quote, prevent disease or de- de- decrease its severity in at least 50% of people who are vaccinated. Okay. That was arbitrary at the time. There was no, before that, it was like, even that was like, really? Like, that seems like a low bar, right? But it says all previously authorized COVID-19 vaccines, not approved, authorized and boosters for all age groups were required to meet that requirement. Even though, by the way, guys, verifiably on the record, and even this moment, are not meeting that. Think about that. They're still emergency authorized, and none of them at this point are actually meeting relative 50%, let alone absolute risk reduction. They keep showing you that they fail, and that's why they need these boosters. But they keep using them. It goes on to say that Vinay Prasad, a hematologist, oncologist, and associate professor of epidemiology, and biostatistician at the University of California, San Francisco, you know, obvious conspiracy theorist, goes on to say, Peter Marks from the FDA, quote, quote, he's the de facto regulator in chief when it comes to vaccines, is saying that kids' vaccines don't need to hit the target. They don't need to hit 50% vaccine efficacy against symptomatic SARS-CoV-2 target. That was the target that the FDA themselves came up with in the original pandemic. They came up with this 50% target point estimate above, and the low-bound I read that weird. They came up with this target, 50% point estimate above, and the lower bound to the 95% confidence interval has to be above 30%. Sounds confusing. 50% is the point. That was their minimum efficacy standard for vaccination. This is only since COVID, by the way. That was the standard they themselves set, and that was the standard initial vaccine trials for COVID did clear for adults, so we're told anyway, using relative and not absolute. So it's a, right there is an illusion. Mm-hmm. Quote, but the pediatric vaccine trials, both for Pfizer and Moderna, hear that, appear they did not clear that bar. And Peter Marks is trying, is talking to congressional officials, and he's saying that it's simply okay. They will probably just authorize it anyway. This is alarming. There's no thing, there's nothing about this that seems legitimate, guys. Yeah, and it's like uh, Robert Kennedy's been saying that in order for these companies to have actual, you know, immunity from yep. you know legal liability, then it needs to be. I can't remember if it's either approved for children or put on the vaccine childhood schedule. Approved first of all, but both really. I think yeah, you're. Yeah. I think you're right. So once well, they meet that standard, then all of a sudden now they have legal liability. Yep. Yep. And that's just like all the rest before this, right? MMR, all the other. They they have that shield because yeah. of the oh, blanking on the act all of a sudden. Cares. Was it, wasn't, was it also the care? Now I'm confused. That sounds right. But CARES was also COVID. Anyway, in case we're saying the act wrong, are you, are you sure or no? I forget. I don't know. Okay. Well, anyway, the act that they passed in regard to, to allowing that, basically giving the act of 1986 is what oh, it was. Yeah, but whatever the, yeah, I just forget the, the name. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. so, but so it was the act that they basically gave the liability shield to, to pharmaceutical companies because yeah. they, the argument was simply that, well, if we don't do this, they'll stop making vaccines. Yeah. Okay. Then find somebody who wants to make a vaccine that's actually going to not kill people, right? It's, like, it's incredible. But the point was that they did this. Then, right, you know, and, and, or your point was that they added that they, they were seeking to add the same thing to COVID because once they do that, they're protected, yeah. but they need the child level. 
Exactly. And right now that's their hardest block. Exactly. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. Now it goes on to say, we have standards for a reason. Prasad continued. What's that? The PrEP Act was the new one. Right, right, right. Exactly. We have standards for a reason, Prasad said. The, the standard chosen by the FDA, and this is important to hear, was arbitrary then. And if anything, I'd argue it was on the low side. Right. So I agree. 50%? That's flip of a coin. Like, it's incredible. that they, I think they knew that this was going to fail, and that's there was not what they wanted, but they were locked into the agenda. So I think they just, that's why they arbitrarily jammed the 50% thing in that had never been done before. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yeah. He says 50% isn't as good as what we wanted. 50% is quite low, he goes on to say. And if you have a very low vaccine efficacy, you can have, this is important, compensatory behavior that actually leads to a lot more viral spread. Look at that. You mean like leaky vaccines that actually increase the transmission, which is literally what the data shows us in the UK and Scotland? Yes, that's what's happening. Right. They're they are doing and this could be the spike protein we're talking about, whatever. So they're whatever it is, this is being transmitted predominantly by those with the injections. And that's what they're even their pre their their historical scientific studies have said about this. And here we have another example of him making the point that if they get that low, if they have that situation, it can actually lead to more. Yeah. Every angle, it seems. Yeah. Now Prasad said when it comes to kids, quote, it's kind of a moot point. And this is what anybody honest would say. Because estimates from the CDC, or even without the CDC, we know that 75% of children have... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm taking the wrong point. My point was that we know that they're barely affected by this. But this is interesting. According to the CDC, a few months ago, their own estimates showed that 75% of children had seroprevalence, and it's probably higher now, meaning that they already had some sort of resistance to this, Mm -hmm. which I've been saying from the very beginning. they, They did multiple studies that they found... The best one to show is a study where they had a, a, a group they were testing and a control group that they were, you know, they, with nothing so they could balance it. It turned out after they were done, the people they were testing had some kind of an immunity situation. And then they found out, oh, well, so does the control group. Well, how does that make sense? Like, how do they possibly get immunity? And I dug into it. And it's like, well, they have immunity because of SARS, because of common cold, or maybe because it was circulating before we told we're talking about it, right? Yeah. All these examples multiple times there. Oh, actually, here's one that I, I should probably grab real quickly. This is one of the best ones. So in conjunction with what I just said, this is the best one. This is on March 15, 2021. They found a majority of uninfected adults, meaning they didn't have COVID, never came in contact with COVID, or at least from the perception we have today of it, show pre-existing antibody reactivity. So in March 15th, if a majority not 10%, a majority of the country of adults already had antibodies. Why were we pushing vaccines? You see what I mean? Like oh, yeah. this is peer-reviewed science. Yeah. Didn't talk about it, nobody cares, right? Oh. And this is exactly why they hate shows like ours. I mean, yeah. this is, it, and the, so the, the control group who had it as well, the point is it could have been from SARS or previous issues. I tend to think it's because of other testing and things that were already circulating, the, the vaping illness that was going around, or, oh, yeah. you know, who knows what it is. Bottom line is that that this clearly shows you that we were not, in a position where we needed these things. Where was I? Here we go. Go ahead. Do you have a comment? Oh, no. Okay. Like, yeah, the baby knows. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's, that's an, who knows? It's uncertain. I'm not saying I know what happened there, but it's interesting nonetheless. But that was his point there. So on top of all that, they, they even the CDC is going, well, 75% of children already have some kind of, okay, so why are you trying to force them to take injections? Yeah. 75%? They've even had studies that show that if you already have some form of immunity and take the injection, it gets worse. Yeah. And here we are jamming it down their arms. Yeah, exactly. So finally, it says taking a child under the age of five who already had and recovered, that's his point, from COVID and trying to make them better off with a vaccine against the original Wuhan strain, that's my point, 
That's an uphill battle. Well, that's a very kind way of saying that. How about we put it this way? <laughs> Giving them an injection based on the Wuhan strain when we're dealing with Omicron is dangerous. Yeah. And that's what everybody has said who admits that reality. Yeah. You have any thoughts on that? Uh, just the idea of the antibody-dependent enhancement. You right. Know, that's, that's absolutely what we're looking at. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, there, there is a risk of, of increasing the disease outcome just by these injections if you already have immunity. I mean, so like, right. especially with kids, there's so many unknown variables. And really, it seems like the, 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 the science and just like the evidence we do have would be such a contraindication for these kids to get it. And it's frustrating. They're just forcing it down there. Yeah. Forcing it into their arms. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, here's the clips I would play on that just in case people haven't seen them. Because, the, uh, guys, this has been one of the most important and underreported parts of this whole thing. That they know, and Fauci will state it, and other doctors will know, Dr. Ryan Cole, that if you give somebody something. And, I mean, this should be a point that's completely independent of everything else we know. In any other context, if you give them an injection that creates antibodies for something that's not what they're dealing with, it can potentially lead to some pretty serious problems. Yeah. Not every time, right? But so right now we know as a matter of fact, at their own admission, that predominantly we're dealing with Omicron, whatever. And you could pretend that you could consider that's lies, but just taking it from within their narrative. They say it's Omicron. They're still giving you an injection based on the original Wuhan strain, right? Now, again, I'll even argue on top of that, that we know that that was genetic code that even CDC of China admitted that they hadn't isolated it when they gave them that. I know that point. So again, within their narrative, they argue it's based on the original thing, even if that's not true. They argue Omicron's what's in front of us, even if that's not true. So in that narrative, what does it show you? That we're giving people an injection for something that's not currently in front of them. It's as simple as that. And so that means that we are hurting people. So here's what Fauci had to say about it. There's another element to safety. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response, and then they get exposed and infected. Does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time if it happened that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. We know those signals from SARS-CoV-1. We've seen this in, in cat coronavirus vaccines where cats ended up with this horrible inflammation swelling of the stomach and about 30% of the cats died. So we know once you prime somebody with an antibody and that antibody is good, great. But if you prime them with an antibody that is not good, sit back and pull out the popcorn because we're going to be seeing something horrific happening immunologically to a population down the road. They're trying to train the body's immune system to target the right part of the virus because getting it wrong can be dangerous. We know that historically with coronaviruses that if you do vaccinate with the wrong kind of vaccine, for instance in domestic cats who have a similar viral infection, that you can make the disease more severe. Right. And see, I know you've seen these many times, guys, but the point is that that is undeniable. So if we know, if we know that's the case now and we know, as they claim, it's based on that and we're dealing with something else. Are we not hurting people right now? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it's just it's a, it's bad. And we are supposed to be the dangerous disinformers. I mean, I'm not even saying I know. I'm just saying, isn't that possible? Shouldn't we be concerned? It's like, nope, nope. You're crazy. Shut up. Don't listen to that guy. You know, yeah, it, that's, that's the whole point, too. Like, it's it's. We live in a society where you cannot question this. Like exactly. bringing that fact, uh, bringing that concern up, 
even as a medical professional and a medical professional addressing it, someone like Dr. Cole yep. addressing it, you become unpersoned, you become removed from the conversation, right? You know, up to and including, you know, being having your license stripped, you know, just everything like being physical danger. Like this is the world we live in where you, these are valid concerns. These are things that are legitimately yep. something that we should be able to at least ask questions about, but no, you are not. And yep. so and that's, that's, that's the piece that looking back on this, you know, in, in the future, like that's going to be the, the shame attached to this. And it's like, and I feel like that's where a lot of the criminality of this lies. Oh, yeah. You know? Like, this is, this is where it crosses the line into criminal conduct and people that should be held accountable for this. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways you could look at this, whether we're talking about, you know, the manufacturing of the product itself or the, the shipments or the sales or, you know, ways that, you know, who knows if things are being used that are unsafe or, yeah. you know, there's a thousand ways that, that and that's just simple stuff. Like I go even further than that, you know, but the ways that they could be taking advantage of a situation they know isn't being held accountable. Like it could, because you're right, it could just be that that's compounded by the fact that the average guy within this goes, they're not even paying attention. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to steal that. You know, yeah. certainly, you know, it's yeah. absolutely staggering that we see this stuff. But the, the point here is that this stuff is there, it's present, it's in front of you. And they, they it's just, it's shouted down, it's ignored. And they, yeah. they know at some level, somebody knows that people are being hurt. Right? You just can't get past that. Now, it says pointing to a Moderna press release stating one arm of its trial showed its pediatric vaccines were only 37% and 23% effective. Prasad asked, how much lower can it go? If he's going to approve this, right, 10%, how low before Peter Mark said it's too low? That was my point for 1%? Like what? At this point, if you're below 50, you're going, well, we'll probably do it anyway. It's like, well, so nothing means anything. It's just about getting the product out there. And that tells me there's something more going on, you know? He said that if the adult vaccine becomes less effective over time, quote, tell me why that means you should accept the less affected kids vaccine, right? So here's the thing they're pointing at going, well, this doesn't work. So if we meet that level of not working even worse, then we'll do it anyway. I mean, I, I can't even make that kind of make sense. You're literally going, this thing doesn't work and this thing works even worse. So we'll approve it. Yeah. <laughs> thing that just occurred to me too is like, you know, back to on kind of on this, but also back to like the fourth shot, how like they were playing trickery with the fourth mm -hmm, shot. Mm -hmm. There are other areas of the region that are on their fifth and yep, sixth shot. So yep. we have Israel. the data from, yeah, exactly. Like Israel, like where we have the data from like what the fourth shot actually invoked in terms of, and there, and apparently, hey, I got a spoiler for you guys. This fourth shot in a couple months, they're going to say, Hey, we need a fifth shot. Like yep. I'm telling you, yep. I mean, that's what's, yep. what's happening. So. Well, you, you reminded me of an interesting point that I'm just finding out that from even Fauci's own mouth, that weirdly enough, in the member, uh, Israel said itself that they were Pfizer's lab. They called, or actually, yeah. Pfizer said that about Israel, yeah. right? Because they were just letting them, you know, test, and that's what they were doing. Weirdly enough, though, right around four or five, and anywhere they're doing now, it got real quiet. Now people are going like, "Well, waiting for new data from the new shot." I think we know what's happening there, right? They're just they're going tighten it down. Like we're not going to show them anything. And I, you know, I, that's my opinion. We'll see what happens. But I think it's really telling that they were just one after another. They were leading that. In, like, remember, that was when we first heard about how it wasn't stopping transmission. The Israeli study, and just they, they shut that down real fast. Absolutely. Now, he finally says, if a therapy loses efficacy over time, why does that mean the bar to, to the bar to be a therapy is lower? It should mean that we need new therapies. We need a new mRNA construct. I disagree with that. Point is that I think that this is all about growing that mRNA platform point. But what he's saying simply is that we don't just need this to work or alter this. We just need something different. If it's failing, it's failing. I mean, that's, it's crazy that that's become just a, well, it's failing to a degree that we can still use it. I don't know. It's wild to me. Now, finally on masks, I wanted just to play this clip and we can kind of just final points on this. This is Peter McCullough. By the way, again, we just had a great interview with and, and John Leake. 
who, uh, oh, I was going to make that point. I forgot about it. He, he made a great point about the list, like you were saying about listening to the doctor or, you know, that the doctors can say something and they just, it's, they're just, unless the CDC says they can, mm-hmm. they bottom line, he says, that's the equivalent of a, you know, a person on the ground militarily telling them this is what we're seeing. And they're going, no, shut up. We're going to do what we're going to do anyway. Well, they know what's happening. They're looking at it and you're going, no policy. That's what's happening today. Like these doctors are aware of what they're seeing. McCullough knows he should be trying different treatments. And they're just like, nope, CDC says so. Marching right. orders. That's never how it was before this, yeah. you know? Yeah. So his tweet says, mask expert and in, in, uh, industrial engineer Stefan Petty testifies that masks are not the way to stop viral transmission from the air since virus goes around and through the mask. Shocking. That's called not statistically significant against transmission. You heard that before. And the answer is to clean the air. Blunderous government agencies not seeking help from experts. Now, actually, I think we're, probably we're at, we're, we're about 220. I'll just leave that for you guys to check out for yourself. The point is, this is no brainer that you already know. You've heard this. You can watch yet another expert say it. Peter McCullough himself is an expert who's also said it. Dr. James Lyons-Weiler, PhD, who's also an expert, has also said that. We've talked about this over and over and over. And it's just one of those things that just doesn't, it's one of the conversations that just continues to frustrate me because of how very obvious it is. The studies have said the same from the very beginning. And here we are. And they're just continuing to force it back in. You know, where do you think it's going? Are we going to see COVID-19 2.0? Is it coming back? Uh, well, wouldn't it be like 3.0? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I feel like they, they uh, again, like I said, I think that they've learned a lot from these last couple years. And I feel like they're going to definitely try to roll it out again, but uh, probably take some different approaches and also implement new forms of control uh, and totalitarianism that we have yet to see. Yeah, unfortunately, that seems like where it's going. Well, to finish off here, this is kind of like the, it's it's like the emission of other private vaccine problems or anything else they're doing where they're kind of like quietly going like, well, yes, myocarditis is there, but it's super rare, yeah. even though it's not true. It's like they're still kind of letting it in the door. You know, yes, there's myocarditis. So here is an article as they're pushing mass and it's all coming back and it's, it never went away is the point. The narrative slowed down, but now the narrative is kicking back up again. Yeah. Today, doctors say these pandemic side effects are serious problems and unlikely to go away anytime soon. So these are, by the way, some of the problems which were utter, ridiculous, laugh out loud fake news because masks have no detrimental effects, which they're now admitting to some degree. Yeah. This is my point about here. Where was it? Masks. So it says, if your skin is struggling after two years of precautions, it isn't just don't, don't stop wearing masks. Bottom line is you go through this, you'll find the things they talk about where, you know, where was it? Uh, your face swelling and having bad breath and all these things we talked about in the beginning when the pictures of a mask. The point is masks have all sorts of, as Fauci would call, deleterious effects. Yeah. Not just health, by the way, but that is something that he lies about. Yeah. They 100% and the ma- I mean, here, just to might as well, since you guys know what we've talked about before on this. Uh, let's see. There it is. That's not the right one. Mask study. Oh, well, I'll grab it while we're talking. The idea being that there is a mass study, which if I can find it, which I'm sure I will, that we're talking about the only random controlled trial around masks. Uh, yes. And this was the one that's right here. I got it. Damn. That continued to show you that they knew, and Fauci knows very well, this is the British Medical Journal, that it does. Yep, 2015, random controlled trial of cloth masks that they moisture retention and reuse of the cloth masks increase your risk of infection. Ah. And they even say not to use them. They say they say they're recommended for they not they where was it should not be recommended right so the bottom line is we knew this they knew this they didn't care in fact they aggressively pushed only cloth masks in the beginning remember that yeah and look, yeah. here's a point that i always forget to reference again 
Penetration by cloth masks by particles was almost 97%. But guess what? Medical masks, 44%. That's the flip of the coin. These are the masks, these are these are the medical masks, and 50% of the time it go not statistically significant against transmission. These are talking about blood droplets and globules, not viruses. The so point basically facial decoration. Yeah, well, right. in regards to stopping viruses, yeah. yes. You know, and <laughs> the bottom line is that this stuff is stuff that they knew, that they knew this was problematic. They knew, and now they're quietly going, well, there's a little bit of a problem, but dangerous COVID, so keep doing it. That's kind of what they did before. It's like, no, you're fake news. There is no problem here. You're totally safe. Then it comes out like, well, there's a little problem, but it's super rare, but COVID's more dangerous. Yeah. You see what I mean? Like this escalation of the admission of the information. Bottom line is, guys, if you're if you're at this point still trusting what you're being told and you're on shot number five and your breath stinks and your teeth are falling out and you got sores in your mouth and you're not and you're getting sick every three weeks, ask yourself why. Ask yourself why your neighbor who doesn't have any of those things and who also doesn't have an injection, what's the difference there? Yeah. What's going on? There's only one big thing I can see in there that's probably causing a difference, but my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, too, you know, just along those lines, like I, I you asked me like what I think is coming, and I said, you know, levels of totalitarianism that the likes of which we've never seen. Yeah, I feel like that that's part of where it's going, but also I don't want to like leave it on the note of just like, you know, fear, fear, fear. You know, this is a great opportunity, you guys. Like you just said, right. like, like, like ask your neighbor. I'll extrapolate that out. Like that's that's actually the solution. Like get to know your neighbors. Like look for like 10 solid people within 10 miles of your house. Right. Start to stockpile food, grow a garden. Like this is our opportunity now while things are kind of in a lull actually reinforce our uh you know our positions to to kind of prevent and uh, make it so that whatever they do roll out like it doesn't affect us as much you know what i mean like yeah, if you yeah. work for a company like honestly you guys like if you work for a company that has been pretty uh aggressive with the with the narrative like like this might be a great opportunity to look for other opportunities you know what i mean like oh, yeah. whatever you can do to protect yourself from whatever's coming like this is the time to do it while we're in this kind of lull period yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, he's right. Absolutely. But any, but anytime, it, you know, it, it, just time, yeah. it's always a smart idea yeah. to be prepared, yeah. to have food, to have water. I mean, the idea that that's framed as some sort of cons- like, oh, like, a, you know, even like the term prepper became sort of derogatory. Like yeah. these guys are crazy prepping with all their yeah. doomsday and all that. It's like some people are that extreme. And I would argue they're smarter than everybody, to be quite Absolutely. honest. But at the end of the day, it's just about being smart enough to have the right kind of things in case it happens like literally what we just saw happens, yeah. food shortages, gas shortages, a TP, exactly. you know, no, make sure you got the bottom line is if you just prep yourself and make sure you're prepared, make sure you know how to fix a car, yeah. make sure you know how to grow some food. And, yeah. you know, these are important things just to, for being a, a grown up. Yeah. I'll say it again, like people that listen to my show, we talk about it all the time, but freedom cells, freedom cells.org, yep. yep. Derek Rhodes and John Bush, their, their little project that they started is just like a really, really great way. If you're in a community and you don't really know a lot of people, or if you're really looking to get plugged in, freedomcells.org look for a cell in your community and if there isn't one then start one absolutely well said yeah well i think it's a good place to leave it guys so thank you for tuning in today and as always question everything come to your own conclusions stay vigilant how it gets to the point where things get to terrible places one tiny step at a time you know if i encroach if i encroach on you and i'm sophisticated about it i'm going to encroach two millimeters i'm going to encroach right to the point where you start start to protest then i'm going to stop then i'm going to wait then you're going to calm down then i'm going to encroach again right to the point where you protest then i'm going to stop then i'm going to wait and i'm just going to do that forever and before you know it you're going to be back three miles from where you started and you'll have done it one step at a time and then you'll go oh how'd i get here and the answer was well i pushed you a little farther than you should have gone and you agreed and so then i pushed you a little farther than you should have gone again and you agreed 
And if anybody's interested in this sort of process, and this is a horrifying book, if you want to read about how this process works, you can read a book called Ordinary Men by Robert Browning.